the blast from our past network. Carpet day! Huh? No! Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, starring Eric Freeman, James Newman, and Elizabeth Caton. Warm side of the door. <laughs> oh, it's a shame we don't have that song this uh, this time. Right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, my brother from another mother, Zach, the total snackage Schaefer. And if you all listened to my pick last year, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1, then you heard me say that we were going to record part two this year. And I kept my promise like a good Santa Claus. I kept my promise. And now we are talking about what could be the most bizarrely <laughs> structured film I've ever seen in my entire life. Silent Night, Deadly Night, part two. Zach, my man, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Now that I'm channeling my inner Ricky... <laughs> what age Ricky is that? Is that like 8, 15, or 18? It's 47-year-old Ricky <laughs> because he opened his eyes at the end. Spoiler alert. I love it. So maybe he's still alive. <laughs> oh, my God. So many different Rickies. Zach, what is your experience with Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2? Uh, up until a couple days ago, zero. I've never seen Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. I rarely do this but i listen to the critics i listen to the naysayers who are like yeah it's not good uh, it's just half the movie is the original one the other half is mm, it's okay but whatever i'm so glad you chose this this quite possibly could be the greatest christmas present i've ever received in the history of my life it's a movie i've seen once but it's a movie i will watch annually starting now that's no lie. Dude, I am so happy to hear that. I was, uh, I kind of actually maybe felt that because you didn't hit me up about it at all uh, when you watched it. You never texted me or anything. And sometimes Zach will have like a little comment or something. Um, so I kind of had a feeling, I was like, hmm, I, I wonder if he actually maybe likes it. Um, I, I'm in the same boat as you, dude. Uh, like I said, last year, I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 a lot as a kid. And then weirdly, I watched Part 5 a lot as a kid. The one with, Is that the toy one? Yeah, with Mickey Rooney and whatnot. Uh, I, I don't know why I saw that one, but I did. Um, and I picked this one because like, I had always heard the garbage day thing. And, and everyone on Instagram always you know, posts that GIF or that video on our feed. And you know, you're just like, okay, I... So I want to see, like, what is this all about? And, bro, <laughs> I'm like you, man. After watching it twice, I <laughs> I think I fucking love this movie. Like, I, it's, it's zany. It's wild. But there's a charm to it. It's nonstop fun. And 
I kind of love Eric Freeman too, man. Yeah, I think I actually like this movie more than the first one uh, on a, on a rewatch scale. The other, the first one is so dark. It's so dark, and this one still has like because the first forty minutes are a rehash from the original. It still has some dark moments, but this one is just hilarious. The 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 vignettes because they really are like kill vignettes towards the end. There's what five or six of them, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, are so bonkers and so silly and it's so over the top. You got to assume that when they were making this, they were going more for laughs than they were for seriousness. Um, Cause it, it's, it is, it's wacky for sure. And, and, and that's uh, the highest compliment I can give it. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. It's, it's a wild ride, and you're right. It's and I, you know, I know you probably marked it too. You probably paused it as well. Um, pretty much the first like 39 minutes is a retelling of the first movie. I want to give you all a little caveat with this review right now, though. We will not be walking through the flashbacks in detail. Not as much detail as we normally do a scene because they don't refilm anything. So it's all the same no. stuff except there's one scene that has a slight difference to it. Now I'll talk about it when it happens, but what I'm going to do with this breakdown just for the flashbacks, I'm just going to give Ricky's narration and just kind of hit some highlights. So this could be one of the shortest reviews we've ever done, but I kind of, you all need to have seen the first silent night, deadly night, or at least listen to our, first review slash breakdown to get the complete picture from this review slash breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're talking about, is it this, does that scene involve Linnea Quigley? Oh no, no, it's, it's later. It's oh. when um, the cop shoots the Santa at the, at the orphanage in the first oh, okay. movie, they say that it was a, the, the priest, the deaf priest in this movie, they say it's the, the deaf janitor. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I make, that change like and they didn't make any other changes that i noticed but i was like why make that one change yeah that's an interesting choice and maybe probably rooted in something nefarious <laughs> who knows um but yeah and and and, uh, and and to piggyback a little bit on what you just said uh if you haven't listened to that review go listen to it if you haven't seen silent night deadly night go watch it if you think you might be offended by either of those why the hell are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I also want to say too, yeah, this movie's known for that one garbage day scene, but dare I say there are other scenes in this movie that are actually better than that one. Yeah, seriously. And if you have any interest, um, the Shout Factory Blu-ray has a nice hour and 15 minute documentary on the making of this. They talked to the director. They talked to Eric Freeman. Uh, they talked to uh, the, the lady who plays Jennifer. Hell, uh, the only, actually pretty much the only person they don't talk to is Chip. Um, so it's, it's really, it's a wealth of information. I think they pretty much cover everything. I will try to kind of insert any tidbits um, into it, but that is another thing that I would, I would say that, you know, if you love this movie and, and you don't own the Shout Factory, uh, I think it came out in 2018. If you don't own that version, it, there's a lot of bang for your buck there. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad you got it for me. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome, buddy. And I can't wait to talk about this cast because uh, one of the people in particular, when I noticed she was in this, I was like, whoa. 
this is blasting me to the past right now. Yeah, so I mean, the, and the cast is not very big. Um, they did shoot this movie in ten days, which is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into the cast and everything, dude. And because uh, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with this breakdown, even though it's a short movie and we're gonna probably burn through the first forty minutes. I think we're still gonna have a lot to say with, uh, with the latter half of the movie. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Eric Freeman plays Ricky Caldwell and the title character uh, in the movie and the brother uh, of the original killer. And he's actually been he was on in living color for two years. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that and I was like, like, I don't remember him like where he was, but it's just like, holy shit. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, this is interesting. So, uh there's and then there's a short film a Ricky Ricky call Ricky today the Caldwell interview uh, he did a short film looks like he's reprising his character he did that in 2018 which is pretty cool oh maybe that was around the same time when uh, I you know what that might actually be on the Shout Factory uh, Blu-ray oh cool cool yeah and I mean he's been he's had small roles in movies like Nothing in Common which is a great Tom Hanks and um, Jackie Gleason movie, uh, and Back to School, which I love. I am sure you do too. Of course. <laughs> and, you know, like a bunch of fun things from the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, I, I think he's a really, really good actor. And what he does in this film is like hilarious. So, That's... bravo to him. I love I love Eric Freeman and my God he is a stud farm in this movie, dude. Like like his his body looks like what like just your and it sounds weird, but it's 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 actually a compliment. But it's like a generic superhero's body, you know, like it's what you draw like Superman or something to have. He is jacked in this movie. Yeah, he's kind of like Hugh Jackman jacked without the uh, extra assistance. Yes, if you know what I All mean. All the veins and everything. Yes, um, James Newman plays Doctor Henry Bloom. At first, I'm like, is that the voice of? the doc from session nine because it sounds <laughs> yeah. a lot like him yeah but uh he doesn't have a imdb photo for some odd reason but he's been in a bunch of very well-known mainstream films like evan almighty and legally blonde too so there you go and i kind of love him in this movie I, I think he's pretty awesome i think he is too someone i love in this movie uh, and I actually love her filmography is elizabeth caton she plays jennifer um I, she was a big part of my teenage and adolescent year well not adolescent teenage years uh she was in a ton of like skinamax movies i know <laughs> like uh virtual encounters petticoat planet vice Ac- i mean aaron gilmer would have a field day she probably could run down the whole filmography of elizabeth caton but i mean she's been in a lot of stuff that i've <clears throat> that i've seen so um like Nightwish and I was going to bring up Nightwish. I feel like you've mentioned Nightwish to me before. Yes. Okay. I have. I have and and, and she was in Necromancer, uh, Assault of the Killer Binbos, which is really fun. Um Friday the 13th part uh Friday the 13th The New Blood, uh which well, part, part 7, right? Yes, yeah, yeah part, part seven. 7, yeah. That's the one I haven't seen. I've never seen Really? New Blood. You've never seen him versus the Psychic Girl? No, I never watched that movie, so maybe we need to watch that. Yeah, we do. She was also in uh, Dr. Alien with uh, Judy Landers. Yes, and uh, Stuart Fracken, who uh, we've talked quite a bit about 
I've talked quite a bit about that movie with him and the, the interesting production behind the scenes. Also, Olivia Barish is in it. She is. She is. And you just interviewed her, did you not? I literally did. And we brought I brought it up offline for a minute. And she's like, oh, God, that movie. I forgot about that movie. I forgot I did that movie. <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, and she she was in a movie called Under the Boardwalk, which I've actually I talked to Keith Coogan about. That's got a great cast. Uh, it's a fun, like coming of age movie, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you're into the, if you're into that sort of thing, go check it out. Yeah, Elizabeth Caton. Yeah, she's great, man. Yeah, no, she's she's awesome. She's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> I love her. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, so funny. That's great. What? <laughs> uh, Gene Miller plays Mother Superior. It's not the original Mother Superior from the the first one, and she's got this gigantic scar on her face. So uh, that's very. It's as far as I know, it's unexplained. Yeah, I mean, I have my my notes on that, and I was just gonna say it at the time, but we'll talk about it now. It's like, does a stroke turn you into Two Face? Like, it's the weirdest choice because it's like the side of her face is melting. Yeah, it's a really weird choice, and I mean, in my opinion, it feels like it was something they were gonna talk about, but they they're like, oh yeah, he didn't burn her. Uh, well, it looks cool. Let's keep it anyways. Yeah. Because she's a stroke victim, so I guess, like, you know, like, sometimes the side of your face does go numb or dead when you're a stroke victim, but it doesn't bubble and swell with boils. Yeah, what what, what a what a, what a knock on people who've suffered strokes, and if you <laughs> suffered a stroke and you, this happened to your face, please let us know, because it's kind of fascinating. I doubt it did, though. <laughs> um, Daryl Gullible, oh, sorry, Gil, Gilbo, uh, it, he plays the 15-year-old Ricky. It's notable because... He's he's got five minutes of screen time, but it's in a in a forty five minute half of the movie. That's five. That's a that's a pretty good fraction of the movie. <laughs> he plays fifteen year old Ricky. It's also notable because his character is supposed to be fifteen and thus younger than the per, than the Ricky that we're talking to at the beginning of the movie, played by Eric Freeman. But actually, Daryl was older, is still, you know, older than Eric Freeman is in real life. So it's like, why didn't you just use Eric Freeman in the flashbacks? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And he looks like he's got frosted tips in that scene, too. I know. know. For a movie in the 80s, it's wild. All these little things just make it so amazing, make this movie so amazing. Yeah, and, and the last person I'll mention that's worth noting that's amazing is Chip. It's a fucking um, Chip, man. And he doesn't have an IMDb photo either, but Chip is played by Ken Weikert, uh, and he's, he's, I mean, he was just in a movie in 2019 called Smothered by Mothers, so, uh, you know. God bless him. That's about it, actually. I know. It's only a few things. Um, I will say that in the documentary, uh, the the special effects guy was talking about having to make his <laughs> make Chip's head cast, you know, for when his eyeballs explode. And um, he said, he's like, look, we got to have your mouth open. And he's like, this guy had the best, I guess, gag reflex ever because he said he sat there and had, you know, have his mouth open because he had to stick the, the things in there. So he said that he got a mold of his of his Ken's throat, the guy who plays Chip, 
And like, and so now moving forward, he said he's used that mold in multiple movies because like he went off to do like you know Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. Not Ch- not Chip, but the special effects guy. But he's like, I I used his head a couple times in other movies, but I've used his throat a billion times. He's like because I. I couldn't believe I got such an amazing cast of the inside of his mouth. And he, he didn't show you. He was just sitting there with his mouth open. He's like, sure, go ahead and do it. He's like, when he pulled the latex out, it was like halfway down his throat. And the guy like, didn't have any problems with it. That's that's a great talent to have. <laughs> Neil and Bob, because that's what you do, Neil and Bob. <laughs> uh, the director is Lee Harry. Uh, and he's mostly known for his editing. He's been actually just edited uh, something in 2022, but he's had a pretty strong career as an editor on short films and feature films. Like Street Fighter, the 1994 Street Fighter movie. Um, yes. Yeah, listening to him talk on the documentary, uh, it's so funny because he's talking about how you know, he graduated, I think, from Connecticut Film School or something like that, but his short film like got you know, the praise and sort of won the things at his school. He got to fly out to LA, meet Steven Spielberg. And, you know, like you hear all this kind of stuff and everything. And and you got to meet Robert Zemeckis and stuff. And then you're like, yeah. And then he gets basically hired to do Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. It's like, and he doesn't seem to be upset about it. And it, but it does kind of seem like, you know, it was a a gun for hire type of thing. And I, I, there's, you know, so much of the, the trivia talks about it and the documentary talks about it, but I'm still unclear as to the original motivation for making this movie because they originally wanted just to take the footage from the first movie, cut it up, and make it seem like the guy in this movie, and in, at the time I don't think it was even supposed to be Ricky, was just telling these stories and it was like all kind of in his head. And then, you know, uh, Lee Harry, he also helped write some of the stuff and his writers and stuff. They started adding these vignettes to it. And then, like, even when it came out to be, like, a full script, like, it was still short, like, runtime-wise. So they had to throw more stuff in there. It's just, it's very weird. The the conception of this film is very odd. Yeah, that tracks. But I'm glad it turned out the way it did because I, I think it's unique enough that that's why we're doing it, you know? The only thing that it doesn't have, man, is is a banger of a soundtrack like the first movie. The Warm Side of the Door is still on my Christmas playlist, and it will forever be on my Christmas playlist. But the the soundtrack here, man, is just it's not as strong. Yeah, it's not, unfortunately. But um, I, I I would note that Lee Harry also he's one of several people that's credited with the screenplay, but he's the only one with the IMDb photo. So we'll give him credit for writing the screenplay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, all of these scenes look really familiar to me. That's because it was filmed in Griffith park. Yep. It was filmed in Pasadena. Yep. It was filmed in Westwood, which (laughs) is where UCLA is and Sierra Madre. So there you go. Yep. And yep, yep. And yep. (laughs) It's a LA movie. Uh, and a Christmas movie, yet again, another Christmas movie. So for everyone that says, uh, you know, there's only a handful of authentic Christmas movies, yeah, this is one of them. <clears throat> Diallo, you know we're talking to you. <laughs> we're talking to you, baby. <laughs> now, I will say, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> now, I will say uh, I picked up the, uh, the Vestron Blu-ray pack of parts three, four, and five, and while... We may God never bless you. We may never move past this one on the show. 
I am definitely going to go watch parts three and four. and Because and, I think Ricky's in, I think, part four. Uh, Chop Top Mosley. Uh, Bill Mosley plays him, I think, in part four. Oh, really? Well, I mean, there there is there's a great, yeah, three, four, and five all have, like, notable people in them. So, um, yeah, let me know how they are. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, good talk. <laughs> At this point, everybody who is not signed up to Patreon probably knows, but everyone who is a patron got exclusive insight into what our next picks were going to be in for this month uh, when it was on the wrap-up After Dark episode in November. With Rob. And, with Rob Ortiz. Rob, thanks again for your picks as well. Um, but my next pick will be Elves, so I'll be too busy watching Elves and breaking that movie down. Uh and Corey will be watching it with me when he comes to visit me. So there you go. I can't wait. I can't wait, dude. And before we jump into Garbage Day, I did just want to call out that uh, Lee Harry, the director, is also the editor of the film. And I think he actually does some really cool stuff in this movie. And guys and gals, make no mistake, this movie is uber low budget. It is a low budget film and it did not get well-received at the box office or the critics or the fans even. Um, but, you know, almost 40 years later, I think it is a bona fide cult classic. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. In in the 45 minutes of actual sequel footage, it is so damn entertaining. Uh, that's why it took a handful of days to make. Cause it's half a movie. <laughs> It's true. It really is true. And yeah, just a reminder, guys and gals, we're going to kind of zoom through the flashback scenes. So please make sure that uh, you go back to either either listen to our episode or go back and watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 if you, if you don't remember it at this point. Is it time to start the movie? Huh? <laughs> Damn right. The nightmare began with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Need a ride, Santa Claus? Oh, no, not exactly. <laughs> But it isn't over yet. In fact, the ultimate nightmare is about to begin all over again. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Hey, you little bastard! All Ricky ever wanted was a little kindness. Very, very naughty. And all he ever got was pain. Revenge. And this time, Garbage Day! He's oh. going to get no. it. <laughs> step by step, weapon by weapon. <laughs> victim by victim. Terrorist coming home, and he's all grown up. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. I've got a present for you! Terrifying suspense shocker you've been waiting for. <laughs> Last time it threw you. This time. Bingo! It'll kill you. Silent Night Releasing Corporation presents... Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. The movie opens with Ricky 
played by Eric Freeman, the Eric Freeman version of Ricky, sitting in a plain room smoking a cigarette. Uh, so at this point, Zach, actually, I'll ask you this because I don't quite know. Is this supposed to be prison or is this supposed to be a mental hospital? I believe mental hospital. Okay. So I kind of refer to this room sometimes as, as an interrogation room, sometimes as a plain white room, but I think it's just, I feel like it's it's probably like, you know, a mental institution and this is probably some holding room that you can go talk to somebody privately in. It's a Dr. Loomis room. <laughs> and if it were, man, that would be such a boring movie if we saw those years, the the Dr. Loomis years of, of Michael Myers, you know? Didn't we see those in the Rob Zombie Halloween movie? Didn't we see that? And hence why. <laughs> and hence the problem with that movie. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh, note, to, note to all you top-tier patrons, p- please don't select a Rob Zombie movie for <laughs> us to break down. If you do, Devil's Rejects, I'm okay with, but please, no. Please, no. Please, no. And otherwise, if ke- yes. otherwise, we will not be kind. Yes. <laughs> and if you're wondering what that's all about, you can sign up to our top-level patron tier at $20 a month on patreon.com slash dark. And you can become the person that chooses the movies, that curates the films that we break down on this show. The past two episodes, we did that for Robert Ortiz. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's interactive. You get to be a part of it. You get to join us on Wrap Up to talk about your picks, et cetera, et cetera. Please consider becoming a member today. That's actually a good point. I should have made that tier called the curation tier, the curator tier, or even the producer tier or something. Maybe I'll go change the name of that because it's just select a movie for us to review tier. It doesn't have a yeah. clever name to it. <laughs> no, you guys are producers. Uh, Robert, Aaron, uh, Crystal, Crystal, Cam, Cam. Yep. y'all, uh, and, and, and uh, Ms. Doisha, Paulette. You yep. know, you all are going to be responsible if you haven't already you're going to be responsible for the content of this show whether you like it or not you're going to be responsible for everyone's entertainment so better be good yeah no pressure no pressure no pressure (laughs) guyver guyver (laughs) guyver (laughs) rob get it over with because the last that's the last time you're going to talk about it on this show (laughs) so we see that ricky is in you know either prison clothes or Inmate clothes of some sort, basically. The title comes up, comes up pretty artistically, like right next to his foot as it's tapping on the, the the floor. And that was my first indication the first time I watched this that, oh, this might be a little better than I was anticipating. Yeah, but then the camera slowly pans up and centers on him holding the cigarette for like a good 10, 15 seconds for no reason whatsoever. And then starts to continue to move up. And it is artistic, but it's also like, why did you choose to do that? What about the umbrella shot at uh, in the alleyway uh, that lasts for like six minutes as it slowly dollies in and everything? It's really weird. It, yeah, there, there's some there's some padded times in a movie that doesn't need padding. No, it's it's all it's only an hour and 28 minutes, too. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, an orderly walks into the room to drop off a reel to reel recording device. By the way, that guy did not get his SAG card because he doesn't say one word in the movie. I'm like, oh, man, that guy deserved to get his SAG card. Just give him a couple lines. And it was almost like they purposely kept him from having his SAG card because there was one moment where he was a he opened his mouth to say something. And Dr. Bloom was like, shut the door, you know, and I was like. <laughs> Damn, give that dude his SAG card. At least give him a like a you know, a line, anything. How many lines do you need to get a SAG card? 
I thought it was three lines. Okay. But, you know. And also, too, uh, no sideburns is not a good look because they close up on Ricky's no sideburns face. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a good look. But he's still got good skin. Because they do an extreme close-up on his facha. Yeah, no, they do a lot of close-ups in this, which I think helps kind of bring you into the character, too, as well. Sure. The man, the orderly, is clearly scared of Ricky and rarely takes his eyes off the inmate while setting up the machine. Ricky fucks with him a little bit by flicking his lighter, then smiles and shakes his head when the orderly is startled. Dr. Bloom, James Newman, comes in and sets up the tape machine, then tells the orderly to leave the... to leave and close the door. The young man hesitates, then does what he's told. Dr. Bloom introduces himself to Ricky. You can call me Henry, or if you would feel more comfortable, you can just call me Doc. And Ricky says, fuck off, Doc. (laughs) Dr. Bloom says he's not here for games. He's a professional and his time is very valuable. Oh, and mine isn't? Dr. Bloom says, your time is running out, son. I'm your last chance. Ricky gets out of his chair and into the doc's face and says, what makes you think you can bullshit your way into my head like every other penciled neck piece of shit? When he slams his hands on the table, the orderly throws the door open. Dr. Bloom tells him to get out and Ricky smirks. The doctor tells Ricky to sit down. Let's get something straight. I will ask the questions. You will answer them. You will talk. I will listen. But then you know that. I'm not the first psychiatrist you've seen. Ricky says, no kidding. Dr. Bloom replies, fine, let's get started. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. (laughs) Text pops up across the bottom of the screen that reads, date, December 24. Dr. Bloom gets right to it and asks Ricky who killed his parents. Ricky smiles and says, Santa Claus. Now we're about to get into the first flashback. Um, Zach, I mean, we have to call it out. You know, Eric Freeman's acting, I, it's 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 kind of wild. Now, apparently he was given multiple different sort of directions from different people. Like, the director had one way to do it. Uh, the writer was like, no, no, play it this way. And I think one of the producers uh, who was kind of on hand um, was like, no, no, play it the other way. So I think... I, this movie's zany. Like, yes, Eric Freeman's acting is, 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 is wild. But I want us to kind of, as a society, get back to realizing that it's the director, always, that is in charge of directing the actors. I know that we all talk, you know, we look at, you know, uh, James Cameron and and his his vision and all this kind of stuff. And yes, some directors are like that. John Carpenter's like that. It's like an auteur. But when it all is said and done... The director is responsible primarily for the actors acting, and so if the if it's zany, if air, if if people you know complain about the wild acting in this movie, I say let's look at the director before we look at the actors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his acting is over the top, but this this it's this is like a you know schlocky B movie. Just have fun with it. It's silly. That's what makes it stand out. And if the acting wasn't like this, I don't honestly think we would be talking about this movie today. Uh, no, probably not. That being said, Dr. Bloom does a damn good job, though. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I just couldn't get my mind out of, like, tell me about Lowell. Lowell. <laughs> okay, Doc. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Go back to our Session 9 episode, too. 
I know. That was a great one, man. Being real to reels. Woofa doofa. Oh, wild. Why didn't talk about wild? <laughs> right. All right. So flashback to the first movie, and we see Billy and Ricky being driven to see their grandpa at the nursing home. Uh, they cut that scene out, though, and it just goes from them driving to, to seeing the murderous Santa Claus on the road. Ricky narrates during all of this, It was Christmas Eve. I was just a baby, and Billy was only seven. But he knew all about Santa Claus. It was night by the time we reached that turnoff. I don't know what made him stop. Actually, I do know what made him stop. Billy was there. Billy told me everything. It was him, Jolly St. Nick with a knife in his hand. The scene ends with Billy hiding in the bushes and Ricky in the backseat of the car with their mom and dad dead on the road. So you get that whole opening part without the grandpa part, which is fine. It, I, I don't mind that they cut that out. You know, they, they, they do a good job condensing this flashback. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, maybe that wasn't the most relevant thing, uh, obviously, to the story with Ricky. So even though that's like the creepiest scene, one of the creepiest scenes in the original. Yes, it was a great but, scene. But this movie's not going for creep. It's going for shock value. And you know what? Actually, you, I think you said it. Um, that scene, the, the grandpa thing happened to Billy. So Ricky wouldn't remember that. He probably no. doesn't even remember his grandpa, period. Right, exactly. Yeah. Back in the plane room, adult Ricky says, Bastard, he left us out there to die. Dr. Bloom asks how Ricky remembers all that when he was so young. Because I was there. The young man takes a beat. You can tell he's reliving the moment or at least what Billy probably told him about the event, then comes back to reality and tells the older man that he doesn't like his attitude. The doc jots down some notes and then asks about Ricky's time at St. Mary's Orphanage. Ricky says he hated that fucking place. Flashback to a scene of St. Mary's Orphanage from the first movie. We see Billy having a hard go of it. From the drawing he did of, of him killing Santa, to uh, stumbling upon the two people having sex and being punished for it, you know, all those scenes. Ricky narrates, It was rough on both of us, and Christmas time was always the worst. It didn't exactly bring out the best in Billy. As we see Billy getting spanked in his room by Mother Superior, it cuts to Ricky saying, She was naughty. I forgot how good the little kid version of Billy was in the, at the orphanage and how, how, how sad you feel for that kid. I mean, dude, if you watch this movie, do you technically need to see the first one at all? Oh, no. This movie covers everything that you need to know. It really does. It, it, except you're lacking. Uh, oh, my Warm God. Side look, of how the door. Cute, look how cute Fozzie is. I know. I see her. She, she's sleeping in my bed. She, oh, my God. On her head on the pillow. It's so cute. Yeah, this movie's. The only thing this movie's missing is Warm Side of the Door. Um. But it covers all the major plot points, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. In theory, you don't... I mean, I would always suggest watching the first movie because I adore that film. But technically, this is two movies in one. You get them both right here. Yeah, look, movies do this. They Sequels sometimes, especially in the 80s, do this, where they, they recap a big portion of the first one. Phantasm Two spent the first what 10 15 minutes recapping the first movie they, they did it in a very smart way i think this movie does it in a smart way too it just it but it just does then you realize 
<laughs> 40 minutes have gone by. You're like, oh, they're showing the entire movie now because they do. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. Full swaths of scenes, essentially. It, and we're supposed to this is Ricky. This is Ricky retelling the story. You know, he doesn't know about all of the details that went on in the toy shop and stuff like that. But it is not, it's not, if you analyze this movie, you're going to rip it to shreds. Yeah. <laughs> We're not here to analyze it, but the scenes they do show to recap it are, are pretty money. You know, I think they probably could have trimmed 10 minutes of, of these scenes off, but like you said, they needed to pad the time. Yeah. 10, 10 days of shooting does not leave much else to, to work with. They did not go with the Charles Mann book. They could have made this 75 minutes and it would have been fine. Yeah, no, that's true. I feel like, um, that's Charles Band was kind of the only guy that did that. Everyone else seemed to kind of want, really want to try to adhere to the you know hour and a half rule of of filmmaking. Um, now I will but say yet I, that that Christmas movie Trancers does, and it's a Christmas movie. Uh, it does such a great job of you know moving plot along, and it's only what seventy six minutes long or eighty yeah. minutes long or something. So. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Go uh, go. That was two years ago. Uh, your pick. Christmas pick last year was Lethal Weapon, um, and then the year prior was Trancers. My God, are we ever going to run out of Christmas movies? The answer is no. No, the answer is no. I already have my uh, next year teed up. I have my next year's teed up, too. We need to make sure that we don't uh, do the same one, because mine is the one you mentioned you were thinking about doing this year. Um, So, well, is that the one you're going to do next year? Oh, is it? Does it is it a mainstream action movie? No, no. Oh, then don't worry about it. Okay, then rock and roll. <laughs> People are like, "What is it?" It's Rush Hour. <laughs> Jackie Chan. Back in the interrogation room, Ricky is looking out the barred windows. Doctor Bloom asks if he misses his mother. What do you think? Doc asks. You felt sorry for him. Why? Ricky says. I feel sorry for you. You're shrink number 13. Dr. Bloom says, Good. That's my lucky number. The doc jots down a note and then asks if Ricky dreams. The young man looks back and says, I don't sleep. <laughs> I don't sleep. <laughs> so annoyed. Like, yeah. dude. Yeah, he's he's like high strung the entire time. <laughs> well, it's understandable. He's a maniacal killer, so yeah. I, I don't think yeah, we're not. He's not really so. I mean, we he's the main character. Again, it's always weird. And the last movie was like this, and we've talked about this before. But it's one of those movies where, like Motel Hell's another one where the main where your antagonist is also the protagonist of the story. This one gave me more Dexter vibes, though, because I'm like, yeah, I could see him becoming a guy who only kills people who are jerks. And Dexter pretty much did that, too. Honestly, yeah, I think if if they wanted to go in a uh, certain direction, he could have almost become more of a vigilante sort of scenario. Yeah, I I love that. It's just be, But he killed spoiler. He kills Jennifer. And that that's what ruined it for me. That's what kind of. Yeah, that that's what kind of makes it so that he's not really redeemable unfortunately right but like the first movie this this movie's also about unchecked trauma it is it is and and side note too i just want to mention uh ricky as as the as his interrogation or visit uh, doctor visit progresses he reminds me a little bit of uh 
uh, Napoleon, what is it? Napoleon Wilson from Assault on Precinct 13. Okay. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you those vibes. I got a bad attitude. Like something like, I'm like, that's a little Napoleon Wilson vibe. Yeah. Man, I, I dude, I seriously love fucking Eric Freeman in this. Absolutely love him. So he says, I don't sleep, in which I, I need to kind of reiterate that text because it goes with the next text. Cut back to St. Mary's Orphanage, and Ricky goes on, but Billy had dreams, bad dreams. Every day I'd hear about him, but every night he'd live them. We see the scene of Billy waking up and screaming and running out of his room, but Mother Superior catches him and ties him back in bed. Ricky's narration continues. Mother Superior had a thing about discipline. What was naughty and what wasn't. <laughs> but on Christmas Day, it all went straight to hell. We see the scene of Mother Superior trying to make Billy sit on Santa's lap, and he cold cocks him right in the jaw. The scene, ends, <laughs> the scene ends with Billy hiding in the corner and looking up in horror when Mother Superior catches him. Poor Billy. I know. But remember the Santa in the first movie? He's like, that kid's got a heck of a swing or something like that. <laughs> heck of a right hook or something like that, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, can you imagine Ricky? Where do you want to go for dinner? Taco Bell? <laughs> Carl's Jr.? Gosh. <laughs> yeah. What do you think our son Napoleon would like to eat? I was gonna say he's kind of jacked up and 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 always pissed off. He kind of he's like a he's like good looking jack, jacked up uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Where are my tots? <laughs> Apparently, uh, Eric Freeman, I guess, was like living down at Manhattan Beach uh, when and when they you know he got cast for this and everything. And I believe it. He looks like a surfer's bod. He does. He does. And I think he must be a, he must have been a swimmer because I think in back to school, he was billed as one of the background swimmers. Yeah. I mean, good for him. <laughs> good for him. I'm man. jealous. I, fuck, man. Seriously. The fe- the scene fades back into the, I think I have a man crush on Eric Freeman for my team. You do. You got a, you got a moaner. You got a man boner. <laughs> I did. I'll take it, man. A, a heterosexual man crush. <laughs> heterosexual man crush. Moaner. <laughs> Giver. Giver. Excalibur. <laughs> Where is Storm Shadow? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, back in the interrogation room, Ricky, who's, who's sitting in a corner, says, No one ever heard him scream, but I did. Just then, the tape runs out and Dr. Bloom has to change it. Ricky looks disappointed at being brought back to reality. He shakes his head and walks over to the window and says, New tape. Dr. Bloom watches Ricky by the window as he changes the tape, then asks what he sees outside. The beefy young man, <laughs> that's my notes, the beefy young man <laughs> just says, Bars. Bars. You asshole. Yeah, doy. Doy burger for one coming up. <laughs> Dr. Bloom starts recording again and asks Ricky to jump ahead to when uh, Billy left the orphanage. When he left Ricky alone, Ricky shoots back. He didn't leave me. He was 18. 18 and left go. Dude. 18 and left you counting. 18 and left you the crime is time. He's <laughs> 18 and left to go. You know that that is burned into both of our brains because we both waited the right amount of pause, you know, like the beats and everything. Dude, I think 
Isn't it? Ricky was a young boy. He had a heart of stone. stone. Yep. <laughs> wow. Oh. oh, guys, we may need to uh, we may need to go back and revisit that song by Skid Row. And uh, it's 18 in life, right? Is that the name? Yeah, of it? yeah, you have to ask Sebastian Bach if he was inspired by Ricky from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. What if he's like, actually, I was. Everyone in the world will, does a spit take immediately. And we go on tour with Skid Row. <laughs> that would hey, awesome. I would have just introduced my two buddies here for podcasting after dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. They finally <laughs> decoded 18 in life. Yeah. Yeah. Way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking love it, man. So, okay. He didn't leave me. He was 18. So fl- flashback to Iris Toys. Um, Zach, did you notice that, that they don't use the director's cut footage in this? They use the theatrical cut footage. Yeah, which I'm happy with. Yeah, because what's her name? The girl in this scene, like, remember she got like she gets like gutted by him in the director's cut, but in the theater. oh yeah, and, and we didn't need to see that. Yeah, because I always felt like she didn't really deserve it either. I think I'm turning a new leaf with like levels of gore now in movies. I don't want to see that type of stuff anymore. Maybe it's just the state I'm in. Like the terrifier crap, you know, or no offense to people that like that movie. That's fine. But I watch scenes from it. And I'm like, I don't need to see the the long takes. I love seeing the, the brain shots and idiots, you know, later on with the sheriff. Like there is that's funny shit or the police officer, whatever he was. Uh, but I can't I'm not into like the long protruding scenes, you know, just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I've talked to Rob about that offline because um, I know he loves the Terrifier stuff. And I just – some of that stuff just seems so mean to me. And yeah. I just – I'm still in the mindset. I like 80s slashers when, you know, it's usually the a-holes that get killed or, you know, occasionally there will be somebody that you like gets killed. But for the most part, it's always the people you don't really like. And I don't mind if it's gory then, but I don't need – I really don't need 20 minutes of like that one lady in Terrifier 2 getting like scalped and, scalped. and her eyeball yeah. ripped out. It's funny. That's the exact same scene I'm thinking of too. Yeah. And, and I was even talking to my other buddy Jason about that when we were uh, gaming the other night. I was like, because I'd never seen it. I was like, does she deserve it? Like that level of brutality? And he was kind of like, uh, not really. Like she, you know, she didn't really do that much to really deserve all that. And I was like, see, that just, it just doesn't appeal to me at all. Uh, all that being said, Rob, please don't bring terrifier two to, to this I, <laughs> look at I us just, i don't really want to see it man i just i just i'm like you zach it's just like it's kind of gut-riching to me you know so you you heard it here guys no rob zombie movies and no unless it's devil's rejects uh and no terrifier <laughs> exactly. and no saw movies yeah, it's it's all that's all the like the the hostel, the saws, the I I, I put Terrifier under that. It's kind of like pseudo torture porn type of stuff. And no Anthony Hopkins movies. Okay, let's I'm stop. Kidding. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, settle down, settle down. Pick Manhunter. Somebody pick Manhunter. That'd be cool. Yeah, Cam, that'd be fucking awesome. Cam Sully, pick Manhunter for your next pick. That would be amazing. <laughs> Cam Sully, pick Warning Sign. Fucking love that movie. I watched it because of your recommendation, and I fucking loved it. Dude, I interviewed Craig Saffin on $2 Late Fee, and he talked about that He because he did the score for that movie. And, no shit. Yeah, and they that sound, it's called the Saffin sound, that mm-hmm. it, It's He created that sound, by the way, just, just letting you know. Yeah, and then uh, 28 Days Later completely ripped off that movie with Rage Virus. Yep, exactly, with Rick Rossovich, warning sign with us, uh, young Rick Rossovich. 
Yeah, and uh, Yafet Kodo and Sam uh, Watterson and everybody. It's so it's good. great. And, great cast. And, and freaking Slider from uh, Top Gun. Yeah, Rick Rossovich. Oh, yeah. th- that's Rick Ross. He's a dude. I always loved him in Terminator because he actually put up a fight against the Terminator. Me too. Me too. And Kathleen Quinlan's in this. I yep. love Kathleen Quinlan. Yep. She's so great. Come on, Wait. Cam. Make it warning sign, buddy. Bow. <laughs> or Manhunter. Uh. <laughs> okay, back to the warm side. Oh, no, sorry. That's th- this movie does not have this. Back to garbage day. So we're at we're at Iris Toys. Ricky narrates. Mother Superior got him a job at the local toy store. Picture that. We see Billy being suited up as Santa by Ira and talking to the kids. Then we see scenes from the store party. Billy follows Pamela and Andy into the back room and kills Andy when he tries to rape Pamela. Billy then kills her when she calls him crazy and Ira when he stumbles upon the murders. The flashback ends with Billy shooting Mrs. Randall in the back with an arrow when she tries to escape the store. Cut back to the present and Ricky says... But it wasn't his fault. It couldn't be. Dr. Bloom asks whose fault it was. Ricky says, it was that bitch Mother Superior. She made him do it. The doc asks if Billy was being naughty. Ricky says, no, they were naughty. He punished the bad ones. It's true. Didn't do anything. Well, no. No, because in this this one, yeah, it's always, it's, yeah. Uh, So, flashback to the Linnea Quigley scene. Uh, we see her having sex with her boyfriend in the basement. We hear Dr. Bloom in the narration ask, How did he know who the bad ones were? Ricky replies, he didn't have to look very far. The scene plays out like the first movie with no differences that I could discern. Uh, Linnea lets the cat in. Billy smashes through the door, impales her on the antlers. Her boyfriend comes upstairs, fights Billy, then gets thrown through the window and impaled. You don't see the, the younger sister or whatever scene at the end, but I, yeah. I don't think you need it for this purpose at all. No, and I, I for some reason, I thought this scene went on a little longer in this, but I don't know why. Um, maybe it was just me, like, <laughs> looking at it going, oh, yeah, Linnea quickly is naked again. Shocker! <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> Back in the plane interrogation room, Dr. Bloom says, But the others were innocent. Ricky says, Oh, no. They deserved it, but no one understood, not even the police. Fade into the flashback scene of the police driving around town looking for a rogue Santa. They spot one climbing into a window, bust into the house, and discover it's a guy playing Santa for his daughter. Daddy! Yeah. (laughs) I still think that scene was weird just because the mom's reaction, she was shocked to see her husband in the bedroom. She wasn't... Like, she was shocked at the police, but then she looks up and she's shocked at the husband. And I, I swear to God, there was something nefarious going on there, I think. In 2023, unfortunately, every time we see a scene like this or something related, we're like, yeah, the dad was going to molest her. Because unfortunately, that went on all the time, and we just didn't know about it in the 80s. The 80s! Sad but true! Sad but true! Hey! Hey! Ricky says, Daddy almost got his present early. Ooh. And it almost seems like, you know, he's talking about getting killed by the cops. But again, Is it, he though? It's, I know. Again, it's it's such a weird scene. I don't know, man. It's almost it's disturbing if you ask me. Daddy almost got his sugar plum. Uh, huh? Heart. Heart. 
We see we see Billy walking down the road and ducking into the woods to evade the cops. Ricky's narration goes on, but Billy was miles away. It was something to see. Cops stopping every Santa between here and the state line. But it didn't matter to Billy. He knew the roads, the shortcuts. He knew exactly where he was going, and nothing was going to stop him. At least not for long. Cut to the scene of the two bullies stealing the younger kid's sled in the woods. It ends with the one kid getting his head cut off by a Billy while sledding. Ricky says, Billy hated bullies, but he was starting to leave a bloody trail. Cut to the scene of Sister Margaret talking to Captain Richards in the police station about where Billy is going and what's his next move. Back in the present day, Dr. Bloom is smoking his pipe while Ricky says, Sister Margaret had it all figured out. She knew the score, but Mother Superior called the shots. The doc says it was pretty obvious where Billy was going. Ricky shoots him a look and says, Really? Well, maybe we're just jerking off here then. He walks over and leans on the table. You're good, doc, but I know all the moves. I could squash you like a bug. Dr. Bloom says, You don't scare me. Ricky smirks and says, Not yet. And so this kind of reminds me, though, well, two things. I, I thought about it when, when we were talking about the Linnea Quigley scene. I actually retract my statement about the little girl because I think if we had seen that with the, the uh, Billy talking to the little girl, that would have been a nice parallel to later when Ricky lets the little girl go. Yeah, I agree. Ricky, don't kill that kid. She's the only one who didn't do anything. And the flashbacks remind me in the first movie, because we had Sister Margaret to kind of latch on to as sort of a more pot. She wasn't the main protagonist because still Billy was. But in this movie, we don't have there is a Sister Mary, but she's not she doesn't have as prevalent of a role as Sister Margaret did in the first one. No, this is all Ricky. Yeah. And do you think it should have been Sister Margaret in this one? Like, even if it's a different actor, do you think they should have oh, made yeah. her Sister Margaret? She could have been the new Loomis. Yeah. Like, follow the template. Who cares? It, it, you can follow the template and have it just make it good. You know? There's nothing wrong with biting off of another movie. Oh, it's just like Jaws, but it's Piranhas or whatever. Like, who cares? Just make it good. Yeah. Make it good, and, and that's all that matters. And if it's similar, hey, there's treasure treasure of the four crowns would have probably never been made if it wasn't for Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Go listen to our review of that one. That move. Now that movie was a wild ride. <laughs> Flashback to St. Mary's orphanage. All the kids are outside playing as we see a police car speed down the road and someone dressed as Santa walking towards them. The officer guns down Santa right in front of the boys and girls cut back to present time. And Ricky seems to be lost in his story. He says, one problem. And the doc says, It wasn't Billy. We go back to the flashback and the cop is standing over the dead body. Ricky says in the narration, It was old man Kelsey, the janitor. Poor deaf son of a bitch. And this is why I noted, I was like, well, wasn't it the priest in the first movie? Right. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I just wonder why make that choice to change that one little thing. Mother Superior was pretty pissed off. I guess the cop kind of felt bad about it, too. I couldn't give a shit. I knew Billy would take care of him. (laughs) The rest of the scene plays out like the first movie. 
The cop checks the grounds, including the outdoor shed area where he takes an axe to the chest. Uh, there's a funny edit of the cop jumping around three corners with his gun popping out. And it was, I mean, it's a complete edit joke. And I, I mean, it makes sense that the director's also the editor. And there's funny bits in this movie. I was like, I, I laughed. I was like, I get the humor here. Yeah, me too. We see Billy go into the orphanage with his axe, almost kill Mother Superior, then gets gunned down in front of Ricky. The flashback ends at the 40-minute mark with young Ricky saying naughty to Mother Superior like he did in the first movie, but this time it's Eric Freeman's voice. So we are about an hour into our podcast, and we are 40 minutes into the movie. This is going to be the shortest breakdown of our lives. As uh, Isai Morales says, so well in La Bamba won't be our first won't be our last <laughs> is elves gonna be super short too possibly <laughs> we're gonna find out because uh yeah we, we're gonna watch it together when depending on when you listen to this it's either after or before Corey comes down Corey's coming down to Los Angeles for LA Comic Con and uh if if you're listening to this after it well, LA Comic Con be, because I'm I'm going to be flying down two days after we record this. Oh, it yeah. will not be edited out by then. So yeah, we we will have gone to Comic Con already and have already seen Elves by the time you listen to this. Yeah, then go to our uh, Instagram and you can look all about it. Look all about it. I don't know. Hear all about it. Whatever. You know. F- fuck me. <laughs> Zach's already devolving. <laughs> the warm side of the door. God, I missed that song. I can't wait to start listening to that again. But it's not December yet. It is uh, November 28th. I have not started any Christmas movie music yet until December 1st. Oh, I've already started, and our Christmas tree's up, and we're ready to rock. And oh, the Christmas awesome. lists have been written, and Santa Claus is going to be sending Bodie a letter. So I love it. I fucking love it, man. I can't wait to see it. I, I'm going to see it all in two days. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> and now, back to the show. Back in the room, Dr. Bloom's reel-to-reel uh, ran out of tape again. As he's about to change it, Ricky grabs the tape and says, So this is me, huh? He smirks, then hands it back to the doc. Dr. Bloom says they closed the orphanage after what happened with Billy. Ricky says, you bet, but kindly Sister Mary was able to find me a family. The Rosenbergs. Which Ricky kind of, the way he says it, he kind of scoffs, but I'm not sure why, because they actually seemed good to him, and he actually seemed to like them. Yeah. But he kind of goes on. 
they definitely did not get involved with Christmas. And I thought that was clever that Sister Mary would basically get him a Jewish, you know, parents, you know, uh, foster parents because of the whole Christmas thing. And you know that they're not going to fucking do anything for Christmas. Is that racist of me? I think it's I mean, it's 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 it somewhat pseudo racism. Probably. Yes, probably. But not of you. Not of you. But I think of the movie. You know, yeah, they definitely were gonna do Christmas. <laughs> the way he says it, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, maybe I'm just whatever. But yeah, are, are you being an overly sensitive libtard? Oh, I'm gonna be uh, snowflake. Uh. <laughs> fucking fucking snowflake. <laughs> he got them a family from India, the Sanjeeps, who <laughs> celebrate Diwali. <laughs> They, they definitely weren't going to celebrate Christmas. They're definitely not into Christmas, which is he, funny because our our good buddy Jeff, he's Jewish and he celebrates Christmas because he's like, I'm, he's like, fuck it. I love Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, I know dude. so many. I know so many Jewish people that celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. But, you know, he got them a pagan family. They don't celebrate anything. <laughs> he got them a family who celebrates only Kwanzaa. Ha. The 26th day of December. With the Kuma Habarigani. Maybe it is racist. Maybe it is. <laughs> yeah, there's there's shades of racism. But, but I was I was like, ah, quick goat thinking, Sister Mary. <laughs> That's a reference to the Adam Sandler. Uh... <laughs> Which of my Jewish friends want a kid but don't have one? Uh, I, the Rosenbergs. And, and I'll push back because I'm not sure the mom actually wants a kid the way she treats him in a little bit. But uh, yep. we'll get to that in a second. Cut to a scene of young Ricky getting adopted by the Rosenbergs. Uh, this is, I thought this was super cool. The scene is shot in like 8 millimeter home footage kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I was like, oh, good. You didn't have to do this at all, and I'm I'm glad that you did. Yeah. Uh, older Ricky narrates, the sister gave them my background, and they treated me okay. I was finally able to act like a kid, not some freak show with a killer for a brother. We see Ricky playing with a puppy in the backyard with his new family, and they while they're cooking burgers on the grill, you know that whole thing. Yeah, that would have been funny if they started playing the theme song to Wonder Years. <laughs> yeah, it's what it's what felt like the opening to Wonder Years, essentially. Have a little help from my friends. <laughs> <laughs> the dad on that show always was kind of like, in, in my head, uh, was like John Goodman on Roseanne. Yeah. Both of those dads, whenever they got upset on the show. I got upset and, and scared in real life, probably because my dad would get upset and he was a big guy like both of them were. But it's really weird, dude. Even as a kid, like I, even now I'm watching episodes of Roseanne and if, if Dan loses his shit, I kind of get like a little bit, you know, shocked by it. Yeah, like because it's followed by a smack. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's what you feel like it's going to be. But I don't think he, he never really did that on the show. But No, he it, seems like to be a pretty loving dad. But, but what yeah. about the dad on Life Goes On? The dad on Life Goes On? Is that the one with Corky? Is that the one with... Yeah. Fuck? I didn't watch that fucking show. You know why I didn't watch that show? I love that show. Because fucking kids called me Corky. Because my name, you know, Corey. So, of course, they would be, oh, Corky. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. It's not even my name, so it's not clever. <laughs> Uh, and second, fuck you. Now I'm not going to watch the show. That's messed up. Yeah. That's messed up. Eh, kids. That's my my one trauma in five years that we've talked about. <laughs> what about the dad on Boy Meets World? Never fucking watched that show either. Oh. Yeah. Because they called you. No, I just, I ne- never. <laughs> Mr. Feeney. I never watched that one ever oh. for some reason. Yeah. I love that show. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I thought Topanga was hot, but I never, never watched it. Then I became friends with Ryder Strong for a minute, and I was like, oh, I'm friends with the guy from Boy Meets World and oh, Cabin Fever. I remember enjoying Cabin Fever, but I'm it not the biggest Eli, Eli Roth fan, though. Yeah, I guess uh, I was talking to, was it Dustin, maybe? Someone was friends with the woman in Cabin Fever. The blonde the one, one or the other brunette? The brunette. The one that sh- shaves her legs, the skin off or whatever? Yeah, and I guess Eli was making moves on her. Oh, okay. oh it might have been Paul London, maybe. I don't okay. know. I forget. Never mind. That, anyways. Okay. Well, guys and gals, it's somebody in Zach's life, and uh, maybe we'll know more on Wrap Up After Dark. <laughs> I'll, di- I'll dig deeper and get to the bottom of it. The warm side of the door. <laughs> the warm side of garbage day. Didn't hey. work. It didn't work. <laughs> What about my movie? Get back to breaking down my goddamn movie. <laughs> yes, Ricky, don't don't kill me with your pecs. Ricky, don't kill me, please. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't bad. Uh, hell, what did I know? I was 12 years old. So he finishes the narration. Cut to another scene of 12-year-old Ricky and his adopted mom stopping along a street. Um, we're... We're done with the home movie footage at this point. It's back to regular footage for the film. Right. As Ricky is walking with Martha, his, his mother, you know, his adopted mother, a friend of hers calls out, and they start chatting outside of one of the stores. As they do, Ricky sees two nuns walking down the sidewalk towards him. He starts panicking and pulls on Martha's shirt and calls her mom. Martha, already annoyed with her adopted child, tells him to hold on a second and goes back to her conversation. As the smoking hot nuns, because you can tell they're weirdly hot when they get closer, uh, as they get closer, Ricky tugs on her blast again and Martha blows them off again to talk to her friend. The nuns walk into a store and Ricky tells Martha to look, but when she does, she doesn't see anything. She says to her friend she doesn't know what's wrong with him. Jeez. The nuns walk back out of the store and head towards Ricky again. Then they pop into another store right by him. When they do... Someone puts a red blanket or jacket over a chair in the window. I don't know because the shot's so close. Yeah. And we see the red trans- of whatever it is transition into the back, into the red of Santa's back jacket. Ah, that was terrible, guys, but I hope you can understand. No, that's that's accurate, though. Then the Santa getting shot by the cop in the first movie, the, the deaf priest slash janitor. So that's like what he's associating. And they don't come out and say it, but you kind of figure it out over time that r- the color red triggers him in this movie. Yeah. So every then the editing, there's a lot of cool editing, like I said, going on. But edit, every time the cop shoots in the flashback, 12-year-old Ricky jumps next to his mom. So it's and also too, by the way, uh, I've I think we've talked about this before, but this is a flashback within a flashback, which I don't think is bad, and I think actually kind of works here. But I do remember in screenwriting class, this was like screenwriting one hundred one, no no, never make a flashback within a flashback. Yeah, I don't think it's hard to follow. This scene is a little wonky, but it is. It's like it's yeah. like blocked weird. Yeah, it is. Actually, I'll t- you know what I'll say? This is probably my least favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, that's fair. Martha looks at Ricky, who's freaking out, then at the red jacket in the window and finally puts two and two together. She hugs Ricky and tells her friends she has to go. 
Yeah, she shows compassion at the end, yeah. and Ricky convulses pretty awesomely. I'm like, that's a great convulsion. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I, I. It's weird because she's such. She kind of blows him off the beginning of the scene, but then she quickly. She kind of like recomposes herself. She kind of goes back into mom mode. But it's just any person that I've ever known who's adopted a kid, and we know people who have adopted you know kids before. I just I feel like they're always. They're very attentive because they really wanted this child. And she seems like the kind of mom at, at the beginning of the scene. She seems like kind of the mom that didn't want a kid and is sort of saddled with the kid. It just doesn't sort of click for me. Well, you know, it's like when you want a certain kind of cabbage patch kid, but you get the one you get because they ran on all the other ones. It's like that's the cabbage patch kid they had in stock. So that's the cabbage patch kid you get. The emotionally damaged cabbage patch kid. I guess I'll take him whatever does he have the little does he have a signature beatrice whatever on his foot the does he have the birth certificate that comes with the <laughs> yes he still has all that does he come with the box yes but he's emotionally damaged yeah, yeah. fine i'll fine. take him <laughs> i'll name him ricky <laughs> now his name's already ricky oh well that's a that's a win for me okay <laughs> <laughs> Fade in to both of the Rosenbergs talking to Sister Mary about Ricky. She says they have to understand the situation. Martha says, understand? The boy had some kind of seizure. This is not normal. Older Ricky in the narration says he was afraid they sent him back to the orphanage. But Sister Mary straightened things out and pretty soon the whole thing was forgotten. Sister Mary says that Mother's Superior assured her that Ricky would improve once he has a stable home environment. Morty, the dad, seems concerned but not ready to give up on Ricky. Kind of like Tim. He's like, I just want to spend some time with my son. Yeah, I like that. Unfortunately, we fade to a flashback of Morty's funeral. So we're like, oh, he's the one that, you know, oh, and he's dead. <laughs> this time, Ricky is older, around 15, except he's played by Daryl Gulbay, Gulbay, as we said, um, yeah. who is Gilbo, like, Gilbo, Gilbo, who is like three Gullible. years older. Gullible. <laughs> Who's like three years older than Eric Freeman? It's just like, what the hell? Just use Eric Freeman. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was friends with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, we'll put you in the movie." He, I mean, he does have like a younger face to him, but it's you can tell that he's fucking like twenty five. Yeah, he does not look like a little teenager. Martha is standing next to him. They're both in black because they're at the the gravesite. Older Ricky narrates. It was about five years later that my stepdad died. And guess what? That hit me pretty hard. The Rosenbergs had always been good to me. And I knew what she was going through, all alone. We see Ricky touch the tombstone, then walk out of frame while Martha just stands there. Ricky goes on, After the funeral, I needed some time. I felt like running away. Back in the present, Ricky says to Dr. Bloom, I've never told anyone this before. The doctor says, Let it out. Ricky smiles and says, here it comes. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Flashback to Daryl Ricky walking on a dirt road by a field. Current Ricky narrates, I used to walk for hours on those back roads. No one was close. No one to lose. You tend to get paranoid when everyone around you gets dead. That's life. As Ricky is walking down the back road, he sees a jeep. He looks into a field and sees a couple having a picnic. 
He walks closer, but stays behind a tree and out of sight. The guy is drinking a beer, and his girlfriend is on the blanket lying down. The redneck says, you're going to need a new shirt. When she asks what, what he means, he says that he sees something he likes and pushes open her top with his beer. She says, Eddie, you are such a pig with a smile. No comment. <clears throat> he says that's what she likes about him. Then Eddie tries to get frisky with her, but she doesn't like his advances. Eddie tells her to say it. Say what? You know. Tell me you want it. She says, I do want it, but not right now. You're always in such a hurry. She's tired of him always grabbing on her. Eddie then forces himself on her and rips her shirt open. She kicks him in the nuts and, sl and he slaps her. This causes Ricky to flash back to Santa killing his mom. And it's similar with Santa ripping open her shirt and then this girl getting her shirt ripped open. Yeah, yeah. He says, naughty, from his hiding spot. Eddie gets up holding his crotch and says, fuck this. I'm getting a beer, but then I'll be back. And walks back to his Jeep parked about 50 yards away. At the Jeep, Eddie pops another brew from the back, then stands in front of the vehicle. As he does, Ricky sits up in the driver's seat. He turns on the Jeep. Eddie turns around. Then Ricky runs him over. But he's not done. Ricky backs up and runs him over again. Eddie's girlfriend gets up and watches in astonishment. Ricky looks over at her and she says, thank you. Then she walks away. And I love this one little <laughs> spot because as she walks out of the frame, he takes one step towards her, then turns around. The director said in the, the documentary that that was never a direction. He was always supposed to just turn around and go. But the actor was like, he was in his head, he was contemplating that Ricky would have been like, should I kill her because she's a witness? But then he was like, no, she's on my team because she said thank you. So I, I, I actually liked that one step he took towards her, and then he kind of turns around and walks the opposite direction. Yeah, me too. Me too. And it's hilarious because I think he runs over the guy a couple times. <laughs> he does. More than, more than twice. Yeah. It's like back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's shocking too. You're like, oh, he just ran over the dude. Okay, cool. This is where we're going now. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. And I like her being like, Thank you. And it, it's because yeah. it's kind of um, it's it's a different play than the Andy Pamela scene in the first movie. Yeah, totally. Almost like how I wished that scene went in the first movie where Pamela was like, oh, thank you, Billy. Yeah, it's the warm side of the door. This is the warm side of the door right here. Yeah. What Billy did was the cold side of the door. Yeah. <laughs> He's singing about Joni Mitchell on the cold side of the door. <laughs> Coming over Christmas. <laughs> Fucking river song. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. My I mom, know. one year, she played that over and on repeat. Just that song on repeat. Oh, I like this song. Mom, do you, do you think you could? Can we listen to something else? No, but I like this song. <laughs> what you're not seeing is Zach's like blank face stare at the camera, you know? Yeah. And then I had to, uh, and then I had like Kristen with me and my two friends at the time. And my mom invited this random dude over and was on the couch with him. And I was like, Mom, side of the <laughs> this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> Coming over Christmas. <laughs> I want to go home. I just want to go home. I love my mom so much. Oh, we all do. Very we traumatic, love Carol. Traumatic scene. <laughs> In my life. Uh, what's our ginger? Did you, did you guys ever listen to Gingerbread Man? 
No, but I love that song. Yeah, me Got too. me a stick of peppermint. Uh, 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 love that song. Uh, That's probably my second favorite uh, non-Bing Crosby song because I, growing up and kind of up until recently, all through December, it's only Bing Crosby 100% of the time for me. It, like My parents would even buy me like Bing Crosby CDs for Christmas and stuff. But, you know, January 1st or more realistically, December 26th, Bing Crosby done. No more Bing Crosby. He's only for Christmas. But now I love Gingerbread Man. Now I love Warm Side of the Door and some other good ones. You should listen to Train's Santa song. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. It's Christmas time. Drives <laughs> Dustin nuts. He <laughs> hates the fact that I like certain train songs. Oh, you he mentioned you guys mentioned train. I never even I didn't know that band, but I remember you guys talking about it. So okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cut to Eric Freeman, Ricky talking. Okay, I, I refer to him as the Eric Freeman Ricky. So now, now we're only gonna have Eric Freeman as Ricky for the rest of the movie. Stud Farm, yeah. as you like to say. Fuck yeah, dude. Fucking Stud Farm. My God, he's a he's a beefcake. <laughs> Back in the present, Doctor Bloom writes "red car" in his notes. He looks up but doesn't see Ricky. Then Ricky pops into the frame right next to the doc's ear and says. Going too fast for you, Doc? Then Ricky, <laughs> Ricky looks down at the note and says, Red car. Good point. <laughs> so funny. I love it, dude. I fucking love it. Ricky walks to the other side of the room and asks the Doc if he has any kids. Bloom says no, that his wife uh, has been dead for years. They weren't blessed to have kids. or so, The Lord didn't bless them to have kids or some crap like that. Yeah, like we weren't blessed with kids. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I, I like that. I almost wrote that dialogue down, but I was like, ah, I'll just scoop past it. So it's, I found it interesting that you still chimed in on it or, or noticed it because it was cool. I liked it. Well, I, I think it's worth noting that if, if you don't have children, it's because God didn't want you to. Oh, my God. With the God talk, everything's... Yeah. Mm. Don't get me started. I know. I know. We are we are heathens here, man. We are full yeah, we heathens are. here. Devil worshippers. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Satan Hail is Satan. my friend. Hail Satan. Satan is good. Satan is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky walks over to the other side of the room and asks the doc, if, okay, if he has any kids, blah, blah, blah. Ricky asks where they met, uh, and the doc says in college, but it's none of his business. Ricky says his old lady couldn't afford to send him to college, so he had to get a job instead. Cut to Eric Freeman Ricky taking out the trash behind the local diner. And then, and at this point, Eric Freeman will be Ricky for the rest of the time. Thank God. <laughs> I know. I know. Ricky narrates, I was 18, going on 28, washing dishes, dumping trash. That Oh, shit, that was my note, going on 28. Shit. Ricky narrates, I was 18, washing dishes, dumping trash. That kind of shit. 18 in life to go. Ricky was a young boy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Oh, no. It's, I know. Don't give me. Before anyone goes, no, that's not what the song is about. It's based on a true story. Okay, okay, okay. We're, we're having fun here. Having fun. Just, just have some fun, guys. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Diallo. So, yeah, you know I'm joking. I love you. So is Lethal Weapon, baby. Yep. So is Invasion USA. That's right. That is. That was one of your first uh, Christmas movies you sure picked. Sure was. Ricky hears an argument coming from down the alley and goes to investigate. He says in the narration, I think you'll enjoy this. It sounded like some squirrel getting his nut squeezed. Ow. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't like. I don't encourage 
squirrels to get their nuts squeezed. But it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. yeah. Just humans getting uh, squeezing humans nuts is fine. Bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. We see a bookie or a loan shark named Rocco roughing up someone for money. The guy says he'll pay on Monday, and Rocco says he ain't going to make it till Monday, then knocks the guy out. Rocco takes a red handkerchief out of his pocket to wipe the sweat from his face, and this triggers Ricky. As Rocco tries to leave the alley, Ricky blocks his path. What are you looking at, kid? Ricky grabs him by his chest and throws him into a pile of trash. He picks Rocco up with one arm and holds him against a brick wall. The bookie punches the kid in the face multiple times, but Ricky doesn't let go. He looks down and sees an old umbrella and picks it up. He stabs it through Rocco's stomach while saying naughty, then opens the umbrella through him. Ricky walks away as it starts to rain, and the camera slowly dollies in on the red umbrella for way too long. Dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the moments in the movie that you're like, okay, 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 Giver, we get it. (laughs) It's, It's truly the most drawn out padded thing that I think we could, you can see in the movie where you're just like, and I'm not kidding. It's like realistically 45 seconds, maybe a minute. Now it's realistically like 30 to 45 seconds, but yeah, it fucking, you don't ever have a shot that long. It feels like two minutes long. It goes on. It, it drags, it drags. And there was supposed to be a bit more gore in this scene, but guys and gals, you got to keep the context, uh, uh, you know, in mind. This is 1987. The MPAA was just already like squeeze, squeezing the nuts of, of Hollywood at this point because, you know, we're, we're already in the later half of the 80s. You know, all the Friday 13ths that came earlier, you know, part the part twos and part threes and, and everything just really ramped up all the gore and then the MPAA kind of neutered everything in the second half of the 80s. Right. I mean, look, I... I you know, the MPAA should sit on a couch with her mom while she's making out with some random dude. <laughs> That would be, that's that's what they deserve. Wait, what? <laughs> that is what they deserve. <laughs> oh, Mom's side of the door. <laughs> trauma side <laughs> of the door. <laughs> we crossfade from the rain to Dr. Bloom wiping sweat from his brow in the interrogation room. He says to himself, I see no mention of these two incidents in my notes. The state review board will certainly find out my opinions on. He kind of trails off. And then he looks down at his white handkerchief and realizes it has a large red B on it. He looks at Ricky, who looks back at him from the other side of the room. I like how Dr. Bloom's, you know, figuring this out. Yep. Dr. Bloom says they've covered a lot of ground today, but Ricky cuts him off and says, You didn't think I was going to let him get away with it, did you, Doc? Ricky slams his hands on the table and says, Too many people get away with shit like that. He looks at the Doc and says, Punishment. Dr. Bloom quickly shoots back, Discipline. This causes Ricky to flinch. Then he says, You're really starting to get to me, Doc. You're getting real close. And I liked that. I liked how how Ricky is like, punishment. And then I like how quickly Dr. Bloom just looks up and he's like, discipline. I love that. Yeah, me too. Dr. Bloom asks about Jennifer. This causes Ricky's expression to change and he says, Eat shit. He goes back to the other side of the room. Dr. Bloom asks Ricky if he knows why he's incarcerated. Ricky says he's finished talking. Dr. Bloom takes out a headshot, a headshot of Elizabeth Catan and asks. Yeah, that's great, by the way. I'm like, that is the most dramatic headshot. I love it. 
<laughs> and it's, I mean, it is 100% a headshot. And it's even, like, signed to, like, to Ricky, like, in the upper left-hand corner. Like, I love you, Ricky. S- yeah. you know, Jennifer, you know? I'm like, oh, my God. It's a headshot. Maybe her backstory is that she's an actor. That that would track. That'd be cool. Yeah. Except they're not supposed to be in L.A., yeah. but, you know, sure. <laughs> right. We've seen this so many times, though, in movies that we've reviewed where, like, someone's picture, you know, is just the headshot. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think the last time, was it The Believers? Did they do that? In the, they, But that happens all the time. I, I feel like it was The Believers, like when we saw a picture of the mom or, or something like that. Um, my favorite yeah. is when they, my favorite is when they actually like have kid pictures of the actor and then have them up as kids of themselves, you know, in the, the movie. I always think that's yeah. a, an extra added. If that's on one end of things, Using your your standard black and white headshot is the opposite end of that spectrum. True, true. Ricky looks at the picture and says, Jennifer, she's the only thing I ever cared about. Flashback to a park in Simi Valley, maybe, or or Griffith, somewhere around there, probably. It's Griffith. It's Griffith Park. Okay. Ricky is backing out of a parking spot on his motorcycle when Jennifer hits him (laughs) with his car, with her car. Ricky narrates... One day, we just bumped into each other. She was a knockout. Jennifer gets out of her car and giggles when she sees Ricky on the ground. He smiles Hi, at hit her. a guy. <laughs> I'm, Hi. I'm a pretty woman. I, it's okay. And it's interesting because, like, Ricky's got that that greaser vibe that was kind of – remember in the late 80s, it was kind of big. But instead of, like, a leather jacket, it's, like, pleather, you know? But he still has the the, the jeans rolled up at the bottom, like – I mean, we were too sort of young to notice that, but you look back now, and there was, like, a, a, a greaser fad back in the 80s. He's trying to pull off, like, yeah, a little Richard Grieco vibe, you mm-hmm. know, but but meanwhile, he's shopping at TJ Maxx. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, he's, he's, well, you know, this is a guy who's probably down on his luck poor, so he's doing his best. I mean, he looks pretty good for being poor. He's jacked up, too. So. Yeah. And it's funny to think about, dude, because when you think about it, wasn't the greaser shit was the 50s, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it's popular. Yeah. It, 30 years later, which is now, like even now we have, um, you know, people are dressing like the 80s and the 90s and stuff in 2023. So it kind of tracks like every 30-ish years or so of uh, a style will come back around. Right. And so we'll, we'll see grunge pretty soon. And then. Ugh. The early 2000s. Oh, the early 2000s. Joy. Happy, happy joy, joy. I I like the 80s phase we're in right now. Me too. Look, I I know some people are like, the 80s weren't that great. Yeah, doy. Like, every decade sucked. But And and then the fashion back then wasn't cool at the time, but it is now. Like, people, I love neon now. I would have loved it then if I wasn't teased by people back in the day you know if 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 we do, just let people enjoy what they enjoy and not be judged by that joy then the world would be a much better place don't you agree the world would be the warm side of the door it sure would just <laughs> let people like what they like and and don't judge them for it if, they, if they're into it they're into it that's cool yeah, y'all know that. That's why. That's why you come to us. That's why our good buddy Matt, the shrimp sack slasher artist, <laughs> say that five times fast. You know, he said it succinctly, perfectly on his Instagram a little while back, where he gave us a shout out and called out the fact that we're not pretentious and assholes. It's like 
that you can find plenty of people that shit on things, complain on things. That's all fine and dandy. It is actually harder to find people that are compliment. Try to see the the bright side of things, the warm side of the door, as you say. <laughs> Let's all do that. Otherwise, you're going to turn into Ricky and get angry. Yeah. No, I agree with you, man. And, you know, like, I think our mission statement for, for the show, Podcast After Dark in general, is like, Dude, it's so... The low-hanging fruit is making fun of all these movies. That's fucking easy. Anyone can fucking do that. Anyone can mystery science theater or or riff track this shit. But what if, like... Like, actually make a point of, like, trying to find the warm side of the door in all of these crazy cult movies that we watch on here? That's... I think that's harder. That's that's the challenge, you know? Totally. And, and, and to that point, when Jennifer pops up in the movie and I forgot that she was in this or you know i was looking at imdb no she popped up and then i looked at imdb and i was like oh whoa cool um i mean i'm not gonna lie i said it in the intro she was a big part of my like teenage years where i was watching you know r-rated stuff on on hbo and cinemax and i'm like whoa this is what am i watching right now man this is changing my life i wish i watched this with you man i really do this would have been a fun one i didn't know how this one was gonna land for you maybe you don't wish oh you wished you watched (laughs) this one with me no no not the other ones not the other ones okay back in those days i'm like you man i wanted to watch all those movies in in the dark (laughs) confines of the basement by myself Warm side of of my hand. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, Oh, God. Cut to them riding on his motorcycle. Oh, by by the way, sorry. sorry, One more thing about this scene. Because Ricky, and I think this is intentional, he goes, when he said, she's the only thing I ever cared about. Yeah. Thing. He referred to her as a thing. Not a human. He refers to her as her later, Mm -hmm. but yeah. That was in, that was a cool that was a cool little uh, line. I wouldn't be surprised if if that not that much thought was put into that line, but unintentionally, it actually works really well because yeah, like he he kind of dehumanizes her, even though he is thinking of her fondly. He's dehumanizing her. Dehumanize, dehumanize <laughs> the evil that lies within. Is that a riff on Inhumanoids? No. Yes. <laughs> wink. Hey, Zach, no one can hear your wink. <laughs> on, po- on podcasting after dark, no one can hear you wink. <laughs> good one. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> See, I recovered. Yeah, you have. Cut to them riding his bike through Griffith Park without wearing helmets. Uh, this was all done gorilla style. This shot um, of them coming towards the camera, all they did was put the put a camera in the back of their car station wagon and just drove uh they said one time when they drove by the 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 when the you see the bike go through the that griffith tunnel um cops came by one time and the director was like i have never seen like because they have a small crew but i've never seen a crew break down a camera so quickly they're just like blanket here throw the sticks over there you know nothing officer you know and uh (laughs) but yeah this was all guerrilla filmmaking right here ricky narrates I never wanted to lose her. So he does refer to her as her here, but I agree with you. I think it's kind of telling that he refers to her as a thing earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Fade to a scene of Jennifer and Ricky making love. Ricky narrates, that was my first time. I thought it was hers too. (laughs) I thought it was hers too. Like it fucking matters. 
that's toxic masculinity right there. They don't come back to that, which is a flaw in the script. They don't call back on that. Because but, she, because later she doesn't want Chip to sort of say that they've had sex. I mean, it does come back, but it doesn't. I don't think Ricky really hears it. He kind of attacks for another reason. It doesn't add to his motivation as to why he would want to kill her. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but that uh, sex scene was the first time they, the two of the actors ever even met. And uh, uh, Eric Freeman apparently was very nervous before that. Hey, guys, take your clothes off and get ready to fuck. Wait, what? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> what did you, you you mean make love? Nope, uh, I said fuck. We're, it's going to be a fuck scene. <laughs> We're doing fuck. This is, a, this is a horror film, and we do fuck scenes. <laughs> Can we call it making love? No. Nope, it's nope. fucking, baby. Let's get fucking. <laughs> Come on, let's do this. Uh, it's going to be great. It's not sexy, Can Jack. everybody be naked in this? Yep. Nope, 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 nope. But it's too cold. I don't care. It makes the nipples hot. <laughs> Eric Freeman's nipples. Yes. We fade into another flashback. This time, Ricky and Jennifer at the movies. Now, this scene I love. My favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. That's so good. My, the best. <laughs> We're, they're watching a trailer that seems to be pretty violent, and Ricky is into it. Uh, I want you, Zach, to do... I have the what they say, so I want you to do your best... Uh, you know, movie guy voice, trailer okay, voice. So I'll here we go. Best. Here we go. Chaos. The motion picture you've been waiting for. More action. More violence. And more death and destruction than any film ever seen before. <laughs> Great job, buddy. <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> seems disturbed by how excited Ricky is for Chaos. <laughs> In the back of the theater, an asshole is yelling to start the movie. Asshole. He's such a piece of shit. Jennifer is annoyed by them, but it's okay. Ricky says the movie's starting. The guy in the back mocks the music, and Ricky looks back and stares at him. Do it in your best douchebag voice. You got a problem, pal? As the movie starts, Jennifer says to Ricky that she really likes him. He's different. He says he feels the same, and... Goes to kiss her, but the asshole in the back makes kissing noises at them. (laughs) Ricky looks back again, but then turns his attention to the movie screen. Something isn't right. Ricky asks Jennifer what the movie's about, and she says, That's great. It's about a guy that dresses up like Santa Claus and kills people. Ricky yells, What? What? (laughs) I know. I love his shock. Uh, Oh. (laughs) <laughs> then his like his his like the high pitch uh voice cracking is what makes it so great i, I know because he actually goes what you know and then me Corey, i yell what when i see the opening scene from silent night deadly night one being used as the movie they are watching which is both clever and mind-blowingly stupid at the same time, mainly because we've already seen the same actor in flashbacks. So, I mean, seriously, dude, the first time I'm watching this, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It is, but it, to be fair, to be fair, it is different scenes from the opening, from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1, but it is weird. And it, it reminds you that it wasn't just Scream, it wasn't just Demons that did this thing of, like, making the movie... You know, the making like what happens in reality 
being shown on screen. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, I don't know. It was kind of cool. I, I was like, yeah. oh, this is interesting. Like they made a movie of his brother's life, which would track potentially if that's what it was. And the douchebag in back is like so obnoxious. Yeah. So obnoxious. And for everyone who's like, oh, it's so absurd or that would never happen. No, I've been in movies where people have acted like this to that degree. And I was with my brother who would tell them that he was going to break their fucking neck if they kept it up. And my brother would go down and almost physically assault the guys, causing me to go, oh, shit, mom's out of the door. I, I mean, I'm not an aggressive guy. I'm not big on confrontations. But these type of people, I am fully with your brother. These are the people. I, I do have a philosophy that some people, some people need to be punched in the nose. It just, they never were, and they kind of needed it. It just blows me away that you would spend, I don't care if it's $6 Tuesday or whatever, spend money on a movie, go to the movies and talk the entire time during the movie like what was the point or a concert or anything that involves seeing something on screen you know with a bunch of people like why yeah whisper what how hard is it to whisper to your neighbor your friend that's a whole other rant but yeah they got what they deserved in a moment exactly and there's a guy sitting next to him who's like seemed to be just as annoyed by his friend as everyone else is now that guy is the director Ah, oh, oh, even. So Ricky, now being triggered, says punish and gets up from his seat. Jennifer looks confused, but goes back to watching the movie. As she does, someone comes up behind her and puts his puts his hands over her eyes and says, "Guess who?" Chip. Yuck. You haven't returned my calls, babe. He looks like an uber douchebag. She blows Chip off, and, and he asks what he's done to deserve this treatment. Jennifer says, what haven't you done, Chip? And then he says, wait a minute. Is this the same girl who pledged eternal love in the backseat of my car? Jennifer says if he ever tells anyone about that, she'll kill him. Chip says he's trying to give her another chance. Jennifer shoots back at him. You stood me up. You cheated on me. You ruined my best sweater. And I would rather die before I go out with you again. Chip says, (laughs) What are you trying to say? Go away, Chip. I have a date. Chip says, You mean Kong? Is he housebroken? In the back of the theater, the jerk is talking to his friend sitting next to him. uh, That's the the director. Uh, The guy sitting next to him not saying anything is the director, not the jerk. The guy keeps leaning over to talk to him, and the third time, so kind of like the camera's kind of up close. The guy leans over to talk to his friend. The camera kind of you know shifts with him, moves back, and on the third time, Ricky, it's, it's Ricky, has replaced his friend. Ricky shushes him and says, naughty. Cut back to Chip and Jennifer, and they hear a groan and look back and see, like, popcorn flying in the air and the, le- the guy's legs sort of, like, kicking up. It's hilarious. It's a, it like it is hilarious. The scene. It's so silly, which makes it great. Yeah, I love it. Again, this is like my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, me too. Then Jennifer looks over and sees Chip's date looking at them, shaking her head. Jennifer laughs and says, "Meters running, Chip? Or are you using a credit card?" Implying that his date's a hooker. 
Chip says, Oh, Roxanne. She keeps me in shape until you come back. Chip tells Jennifer he'll be home all summer to and have call him sometime. Jennifer says she'll be busy. Chip goes back to Roxanne just as Ricky comes back to his seat with Jennifer. He says he's beginning to like the movie. <sighs> Naughty. So great. So great. So great. <laughs> the guy's leg kicking in the air. The popcorn shooting up. Fucking. This is comedy, man. This is comedy and it's fucking great. Yeah, it's totally meant to be not taken seriously at all. And we got like 10 minutes left in the movie. Which is why I do think that like Eric Freeman's sort of over the top portrayal of Ricky works in this movie. Yeah, I think it's great. Me too. Fucking great. It's naughty. (laughs) Cut to Ricky and Jennifer walking through a suburban neighborhood holding hands. I got to call this out because he should be on the other side of her. She's on the side of the sidewalk that's that's next to the street. And yeah, dude, that's just rules. Dude, I've I've seen I see so many younger people do this where the girl is like by the street. I'm like, what the fuck, man? What where's chivalry, man, these days? I know I do it with with Femme French as well and with Bodie. I'm like, no, let's make sure, you know, it's also a safety issue if you're taller than the person that you're with. The chances of the person driving down the road seeing you are better than the person that's slightly shorter than you. Yeah. Especially when it comes to little kids. Yeah. And then you live in Santa Monica, so it's a bit more, um, you know, urban and everything. But I I think that it just applies everywhere. I think it's just good manners. Have have your female friend, partner, wife, girlfriend, whatever. Have her on the – younger people, if you're listening to this, and I don't think you are because I know the the age demographics that listen to us (laughs) based on the analytics that I have, and it's mostly, you know, 40-plus-year-olds, same as us. But you all should know this. But if a younger person is listening, if a Zoomer or something – be a, be you know be a gentleman. Walk on the uh, side of the sidewalk that's closer to the street. Yeah, and and Cam, while you're listening to this, don't 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 pick a Bronx tale if you want to. <laughs> I mean, that's talks about chivalry and like opening up the girl's door and blah blah blah. D- don't pick a Bronx tale. Okay? <laughs> you know, come on, jump on the uh, the uh, the top tier. Become a become a producer of podcasting after dark become a curator of content you put that on a resume go to linkedin and you can put that on your resume <laughs> curator of film content and then someone's going to look you up and be like do you want to come work for universal studios as a content curator and you're like uh yeah what's your experience i'm a content curator for podcasting after dark oh you're hired hired motherfucker hired yes <laughs> the warm side of the door is this door that welcomes you into your new job, making seven <laughs> figures a year. See, and you could trace it back to podcasting after dark. And if you don't mind giving us a percentage of your income, that would be wonderful <laughs> because we're broke. <laughs> yeah, we're we're headhunters, right? Consider us uh, headhunters in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> as they're as they're walking, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> as they're walking, they come across Chip. Who's working on his cherry red Mustang. And his hair is a lot more bleached. Well, blonde, by the way. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. His ha- his hair is a lot more bleached blonde in this scene. It is. It really is. <laughs> uh, he's trying to charge the battery with a mobile charging station, which is essentially a 19 every- 1987 version of a gonk droid from Star Wars. You know, the droids <laughs> are to walk by and they're gonk, gonk. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Those are power droids. What they are is they just, they're just a power station on legs. 
So, like, you know, if you need power over here, they're just a mobile... They're essentially... This jumpstart kit that he's using is essentially what a gonk droid is. I, I mean, I... I the minute you said power station, I went to some like it hot when you drive. So that song's a banger right there. Feel the heat. Yeah, Robert Palmer and basically Duran Duran. The best parts of Duran Duran. So good. I love Robert Palmer. Chip walks over to them and says to Jennifer, This is what you ended up with? If I'd known you'd sink this low, I never would have dumped you. She says he's a jerk and tells Chip to leave them alone. She tries to walk past him, but Chip grabs her arm and asks if Jennifer misses all the good times they had together. Ricky gets into Chip's face and says, that's enough. Oh, it speaks. Ricky says, that's enough. Chip says, listen, bud. That's what she said when I fucked her brains out in the back of old Red here. (laughs) He points at the Mustang. Jennifer tries to get between the two of them. But she kind of trips. I don't think she was pushed. I don't. It was kind of weird, and she kind of falls in the grass. Ah. It's like she kind of goes, ah, let me get in between you two, and then she just just goes straight down. And they both like both Chip and Ricky just kind of like watch, like watch her go down. Yeah, it's great. Chip puts on his sunglasses and says, "Falling for me again, huh?" So they had to insert. The shot of him putting on his sunglasses because obviously they made the fake head before uh, they shot the scene and the fake head needs the gu- the glasses because they explode. So they shot this whole scene. If you re- realize he Chip doesn't have his sunglasses on during the scene. And when they come to do the, the head thing, they're like, oh, he didn't have his glasses on. I mean, thank God they fucking remembered. So they had to insert the shot of him putting them on. I think I want to get a job as a continuity expert in movies. That's what I want to get. Just like, cause yeah, those are moments where you're like, Oh, good thing. They inserted that shot. Yeah. And give that guy a raise. And if they, if they found that out in the editing process, that's why that's always why movies budget reshoots into it. This movie, I guarantee you did not have a budget for any kind of reshoots or pickup shots and stuff like that. Uh, Guys and gals, um, in the editing process, a lot of times the movie, you know, obviously it comes together in that process, but that's also when you realize, oh, I need a, like, I need a reaction shot here. I need like a look away shot here. You know, like, like pickup shots or, or a couple maybe reshoots or something. Or you realize that like, oh, they look to the left when we filmed, when the character should be standing to the right, we got to maybe right. flip this frame. Um, famously in Return of the Jedi, when Princess Leia is dressed up as Bausch and she's holding the thermal detonator um, and Boba Fett kind of draws his gun on her. And then, you know, after everything gets disarmed, he kind of nods at her. Um, you'll notice that his antenna is on the wrong side of his head because that frame is flipped because it's it's the way he was. The way he's looking screen right is how they needed it to be, whereas originally he's looking screen left because it's the other way. So there's just stuff like that. There's tricks you have to do, but you really you don't discover these things until you get into the editing process. So I think it's good that they found out or realized that Chip wasn't wearing his glasses when they were actually filming it because I don't think they would have been it. I think he just would have gone from having no glasses to having his glasses explode. Yeah. Just then, Ricky grabs Chip by the throat and drags him over to the open hood of his car. Ricky grabs one of the jumper cables and shoves it in Chip's mouth. He turns up the juice, and the douchebag gets electrocuted to death while Jennifer watches in terror. 
I yelled, fuck yeah, when Chip's eyes exploded. Like, I was I was hoping, it was one of those things where I was like, please, God, let that happen. Please, God, let that, and then it happens, and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> yeah, this is the gore we want to see. This is yeah. great gore. Yeah, it is. Jennifer yells at Ricky, what are you doing? Are you out of your mind? We see a shot of Mother Superior from the first movie saying, very naughty, punishment is good. And Ricky kind of like blinks his eyes. Jennifer says, I hate you to Ricky. And then he yells, punish. And he rips the antenna off of Chip's car. Jennifer audibly gulps and says, uh-oh, <laughs> and tries to run. I, I, That reaction is fantastic. Yeah, it's so funny. He, She tries to run, but Ricky wraps the metal antenna around her neck and strangles her to death. This I was absolutely not expecting. Yeah, and bummed because, you know, you you think that there's going to be a moment where he has remorse for what he did, but he doesn't. Not really. At all. Yeah. At all. Puts a cigarette on her 8x10 photo in a minute. Yeah, seriously. Ricky then looks up and sees a cop is aiming his gun at him. Freeze, asshole! He walks over to Ricky. Let's be real civilized about this. Ricky chuckles as the cop tries to put the cuffs on him. <laughs> he has his gun right in Ricky's face. The young beefcake quickly grabs the gun out of the cop's hand and shoots him in the head with it. It's really quick and startling, and I love it. I know. I laughed out loud when that happened. I was like, oh, that was great. <laughs> Literally, that's the sound I made. Oh, that was great. (laughs) Ricky looks at the gun in his hand and laughs as he walks down the street. Do your laugh again. Time for a killing spree in the suburbs, baby. Here we go. Someone compared this moment to like Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty accurate. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Because literally what happens is like, it's what you can do in Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's fucking true, man. (laughs) Maybe they saw Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 and were like, we got to make a video game version of this. I think a lot more people have seen this movie than than they want you to believe. Come on, people. Come on. You know you love this movie. We do. You like it. So here we go, guys. (laughs) The fucking killing spree in the suburbs. Some guy comes running out of his house with a beer in his hand. What time is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yelling Beer (laughs) o'clock. There you go. (laughs) Yelling about all the commotion. Ricky shoots him on the porch. I love he goes, motherfucker. And then Ricky laughs (laughs) as he walks down the road. Do it again. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Here's the famous one. He sees someone taking their trash to the road and he yells... (laughs) You do it for me, buddy. Garbage day. (laughs) The guy looks up and Ricky shoots him through the metal can. Ricky laughs (laughs) and spins his revolver and keeps walking down the street. (laughs) Next, a young girl on a bike almost runs into him, but she says, excuse me, mister. And Ricky says, that's okay, and lets lets her go past him. See, I mean, we know that that parallel between the Linnea Quigley scene in the first movie, but if you've never seen the first movie, I wish they would have shown the little girl part just because it, it is a parallel with this movie. True, yep. Ricky keeps walking down the street and laughing. Ha, 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 ha. When a car comes driving right at him, he shoots the vehicle in the grill, causing it to spin out of control, flip, and explode. Ricky says, bingo. But, dude, how awesome was that stunt car? Like, 
it went right past the stuntman playing Ricky. It's impressive, and they spent their whole they spent probably their whole budget on this scene. So, I mean, that stuntman was like their stuntman for everything. He he's he's mother mother superior falling down the stairs later and everything. And and the, the director was saying like you know that the shot that they were doing. I mean, he was like you know, 20 yards, 30 yards down the road. So it was like, he was like, I didn't really see how close the car was. He was like, but when we got the dailies back, he was like, holy fucking shit. Like, like how close, but dude, that stunt man like stood his ground and then just gradually stepped out of the way. It's the stunt itself is fine. It's okay. But yeah. the stunt man is what is amazing about it. Yeah. It's impressive. It's, uh, it, it's up there with, uh, Margot almost getting hit by Egg Shen in Big Trouble in Little China. In oh. the beginning. You know, when he drives out of control. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Like, you see Margot and you're like, who's this random woman with that cool checkered gray and black uh, fleece jacket on? Oh, it's Margot. We'll <laughs> find out Margo. later who that is. <laughs> oh, man. Good old Margot. Hooks and up with Eddie at the end. Of course. I fucking love Eddie. He's got a crush on you. <laughs> And of course the car explodes because that's what cars do. That's what literally that's what cars do, folks. They flip and they explode. Yep. Honestly, that could have been the case in the eighties, you know. With a car like that, it was like a Yugo or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Ricky walks down the street laughing. Ha 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 until he comes across two cop cars blocking his path. The officers tell him to drop his gun, but he points it at his head and pulls the trigger. Nothing happens. He's out of bullets. Click, click, click. I like how the cops are like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. You got you so much no, to live for. You have so much to live for. You, your life is meaningful. Yeah. You just murdered like ten, 10 people, but it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. In reality, would have blasted that guy. As, as Will Graham says in Manhunter, out of his socks. <laughs> Cut back to Ricky in the interrogation room, and he has his fingers to his temple in a mock gun motion. He says, no more bullets. Young and stupid. That was my problem. And it's a shame they stopped me before I did what I really had to do. Ricky takes a long drag from his cigarette and walks over to Dr. Bloom. But hey, that's life. He puts the cigarette out on the headshot of Jennifer. Then Ricky walks over to Dr. Bloom Sorry things worked out this way, Doc. You only wanted to help. And we see Bloom is dead. He's been strangled by Ricky with the recording tape. I appreciate the effort, though. But between you and me, Doc, I know who's to blame. The camera pans over to the recording device, and we hear people in the background yelling that Ricky is loose. Then we hear screaming and Ricky laughing. Ha! 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 We get a good transition in scenes as the camera stays focused on Dr. Bloom's tape recorder, but then the detective is now turning it off. So they they still had to film. This is still the same shot as when Ricky walks out. So they had to kind of do all this together, which I always respect transitions where it takes a lot of effort like this to do sort of a transition. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it's really cool. So the detective is turning it off and telling Sister Mary that Ricky walked out of there six hours ago. And it's Christmas Eve. She says that the orphanage is closed and that Mother Superior had a stroke. She's retired and lives alone. As they're talking, the body of Dr. Bloom is on the gurney right behind Sister Mary. His, like, mouth is agape, like drawing flies, and she's not even phased. <laughs> no. 
She's a woman of God. And apparently the actor put his hands down by his crotch and put his two thumbs up so it kind of looks like he has a boner. The, the, oh, in, really? In the bag, yeah. I, I didn't notice it, but it, it's kind of it's mentioned in the, the, the IMDb trivia and it was mentioned on the uh, the Blu-ray extras as well. So something to look for you know, next time you watch it. Yep. <laughs> the detective doesn't think that Mother Superior is in danger because Ricky doesn't know where she lives. Cut to a Salvation Army Santa getting killed by Ricky. The young maniac steals his costume and then finds Mother Superior's name in the phone book and calls her from a phone booth. When she answers the phone, Ricky says, Santa's back, and laughs maniacally. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the, the Santa's voice does not match the Santa that was killed. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I no. I, I think um, so. I think the Santa that was killed was the DP. Uh, my understanding was the actor that they hired uh, didn't show up. So he I think the DP or somebody did it. And then the voice, I believe, was the director. That makes sense because it is that weird, sense. dude. It's very yeah, it weird. Is, it is weird. It's I'm not going to say exactly the sound he makes, but it sounds a little bit like he's trying to parody a certain ethnicity oh yeah yeah oh where's it going now little kid yeah like uh i I know (laughs) you know i'm saying yes yes i do yes i do (laughs) insert you know fucking some inappropriate looney tunes cartoon from you know the the 50s or something yeah not foghorn leghorn either yeah exactly Cut to Mother Superior putting the phone back on the hook. Half her face looks melted. Was this from the stroke? Does Do strokes turn you into two-faced monsters? I don't know. She turns on the TV to see the holiday parade and calls it shameful. Do you want to do Mother Superior at all? Sure. Okay. Sure. Come, come up with every voice you want to. They've made a travesty of the sacrament. We see kids playing outside her house. There's a little wind-up Santa toy on the sidewalk. Ricky cuts it in half with an axe, and all the kids scream and run off. Ricky walks up to Mother Superior's front door and starts hacking through it. We see the house number is 666. That's not clever. No, it's not, but I kind of liked it. Mother Superior rolls herself to another room. She's in a wheelchair. Oh, she was in the wheelchair in in the first movie, so you should know that as well. As Ricky kicks in the front door. He yells out for her and tells her he has a present for her. She closes the door and puts a chain on it. Ricky tries to, oh, so she kind of goes to another room in the house, closes the door, puts a chain on it. Ricky tries to bust through the door, but she keeps hitting the chair and almost catches his fingers. That was close. He sticks his head through the opening, sort of Shining-esque, and tells her to let him in. I want to talk to you about old times. And... Eric Freeman didn't he wanted this scene to play differently because he felt like it was too much of a ripoff of um, of The Shining. Um, but, you know. Oh, it, yeah. Well, I t- that's obvious. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, so also, too, by the way, they're filming in someone's house. The people who they were who own the house are downstairs in the living room listening and talking, you know. And as Ricky's upstairs bashing through the door. He knocks over like an armoire or something that's really theirs. So like, Oops. you know, <laughs> you know, it's so like all the shit in there 
obviously they they put a new door on, but everything else in the house is their personal property. So like the director's like, so like while one of the producer was downstairs, just making small talk with the owners, like you heard a giant crash coming down. And they were just like looking up, and you know the producer's like, don't don't pay attention to that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's okay. Mother Superior slams the door one more time and locks it. Now Ricky starts hacking at it with his axe, and and she rolls into another room. Ricky says he loves a chase. On TV, the host says, Hey, kids, here comes Santa Claus. He's going to find out who's been naughty or nice. And this is that's also the director's voice as well. Ricky smashes the TV with his axe. We see Mother Superior wheel herself to the stairs while, while Ricky destroys the room. He sees her goes by and walks after her. When she gets to the stairs, he screams, Gotcha! And brings the axe down as she jumps out of the wheelchair and falls down the stairs. Her falling down the stairs, same stuntman that almost got ran over by the car. Ricky says, I'm really mad now, as he gets his axe free from the wheelchair. This gives Mother Superior time to get in another wheelchair and roll herself into the kitchen. She grabs a knife and listens by the door for Ricky. She doesn't hear him, so she rolls into the dining room while yelling, Richard, come out and face me. I am not afraid of you. You are weak, just like your brother. And like your brother, you must be punished. As Mother Superior... Exterminate! (laughs) Exterminate! Good one. We haven't had that one in a while. Uh, Go listen to our Chopping Mall episode for more (laughs) more of that. More of Zach doing his Dalek, his best Dalek impersonation. (laughs) It works. It works for Chopping Mall, for sure. It does, yeah, sure. As Mother Superior is facing the camera, Ricky comes out of the door behind her. She turns around to face him. Ricky tells her she's looking well. She holds up the knife and says, I am your Mother Superior. As I raised you from a child, I order you to put the weapon down and take your punishment. Ricky says, no more punishment. Mother Superior says he's being very, very naughty. Ricky raises his axe and says, Naughty this! That's my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, great line, great line. Then he swings it at Two-Face, but we don't see it connect. Outside, cops plus Sister Mary and the detective pull up to the house and run inside. They make their way into the dining room and see Mother Superior sitting there quietly. Sister Mary walks over to see how she's doing. When Sister Mary touches her shoulder, Mother Superior's head rolls off and falls on the ground. Ba-boom. Sister Sister Mary screams, then turns around to face the detective and falls to the ground. She kind of faints. Standing behind her is Ricky. Second favorite line of the movie, he yells, Boo! <laughs> and raises his axe in the air, and the detective and another cop shoots Ricky out the window. Very um, Halloween-style, Halloween-esque. Yes. The camera slowly dollies up to his face, and his eyes are closed. Back in the house, the detective goes over to Sister Mary, who's lying on the ground, and tells her it's all over. Mary looks to her right and sees the lifeless head of Mother Superior staring back at her, and she screams again. I wasn't expecting that at all either, because I love how the camera's kind of like on Sister Mary's the side of her face, and I like how she's like, oh, you know, I'm like, okay now, and then she's like, wait, and she kind of slowly looks at the camera, which is the viewpoint of the the head, and then she sees the head staring back at her and screams. I was like, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is great. (laughs) I love it. So, 
the director said that they wanted there to be more blood and they kind of always got shit for like why is there no blood anywhere the thing is again this was this people's house they couldn't fucking destroy their carpet with blood and yeah like another shoot they're like we would have like had a, a, a you know a carpet to match you know and just kind of shot on put that other carpet down on top of it but he's like we we had one night to fucking shoot this you know so he was like we, we've already we're already fucking up their these people's houses we can't fucking fuck up their carpet too you know it's fine it doesn't need it it, it totally doesn't need it until he talked about it i didn't even notice it to be honest with yeah you. i didn't it didn't bother me and then this is great, too, because as Sister Mary screams when she sees the severed head, Ricky opens his eyes and smirks. And then we cut to, a, like, a Santa arm. Like, this is not the movie. Like, this is something separate. But we, we cut to, a, like, a Santa arm against, like, a, back, a black background, swinging a knife at the screen, and then the credits roll. Like, that was, like, a separate thing. But it made for an interesting transition to the credits. Yeah, it has a shocking ending to eventually set up what could have been a part three, but they didn't go that direction in part three. I don't think so. Cause I think part three is around a, a, a girl, but I, I don't know. So I'll watch them at some point, but that's silent night, deadly night two, And yeah, I kind of fucking love this movie, man. I kind of loved it too. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, dude. So, uh, final thoughts on this one, man, and, and also like in in general, like how it how it creates a, a you know a one two sequel sort of thing. You know, and we we've talked about those in the past with like the collector and the collection, like those little one two sequels. You know, story arcs. Yeah, it's a it's a fine sequel. In fact, it's a pretty great sequel. It picks up. It's it it, it goes nicely with the first one if you watch the first one then you watch this back to back you'll feel like oh man i'm watching part one all over again but or you can watch the first one and then skip to the 40 minute mark in this one and just go for it you really could um and that would be okay too like i'm okay with this being a 45 minute movie i'm very happy with it it's hilarious <laughs> the kills are are unique and and over the top and i would happily watch it again merry christmas <laughs> could have said it better myself my man i i'm with you it would be interesting to kind of watch the first one and then just start this at the 40 minute mark and sort of see how it plays um but also as a standalone movie it makes it so that you don't technically have to see the first one so right. if you've never seen the first one then check this one out too but yeah yeah it's it's I mean, I picked this one just to kind of see what the garbage day thing was all about. And I never truly expected to walk away from this movie loving it. But it, dude, it might be a, a new, you know, yearly movie that I pop in or in December, dude. I fucking, this is great, man. This is wild. It's wild. If you've <laughs> never seen it, give it a watch because yeah. it's fantastic. It's, <laughs> it's also free on YouTube, too. You can find it on YouTube oh. uncut. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but if you do want to spring for the Shout Factory version, and we don't get any money for any of that or anything, but uh, there is a great, like, hour and, I think, you know, 15-minute documentary on the making of, and they, they cover pretty much everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch the, that. The documentary is almost as long as the movie itself. 
Right. That's wild. And this episode is longer than the movie itself. It is. Shocker. Shocker. But it was a blast, Shocker. man. I had a, I had a lot of fun going through this movie with you, my man. So Me I, too, dude. You did an awesome breakdown. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. And I'm very much looking forward to Elves. I can't wait to check that out with you. And I can't wait to hang out with you in two days. So Yeah, we're going to watch Elves together. This will be the first time we've ever watched a pad movie together for funsies. Yeah. It is. It is. So good good times, guys and gals. Uh, like we said, by the time you listen to this, um, you know, you'll probably seen a lot of the stuff that we've posted uh, about L.A. Comic Con and everything. So um, and, and hopefully maybe some of the listeners we actually got to meet when uh, in L.A. and whatnot. So. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, check out podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com for links to everything with our social media, uh, Patreon, merch store. You can go order a shirt and everything because Christmas time. Why not go support the show by uh, giving somebody some some pad merch? But uh, go check out podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com for links to everything. Now go check out com for what's going on over there in the month of December. Month of December, we kicked it off with an interview with Jill Sholin from The Stepfather and, of course, one of my favorite movies, Thunder Alley. If you have no idea what movie that is, go watch it now. Uh, but she's talking about Babes in Toyland, the Christmas movie she did with Drew Barrymore and Keanu Reeves back in the 80s. And it's a fun little discussion we had about Babes in Toyland. Um, later on this month on $2 late fee, we'll be talking Rocky four and then a follow-up interview with Vince DiCola and his longtime partner, Kenny Meredith. Um, if you watched our fundraiser that if you watched our fundraiser that we had in September on $2 late fee, it's still available on YouTube. Uh, Kenny and Vince performed a song for us. Well, they're gonna we're gonna join them in their studio for a cool sit-down interview, uh, where you will hear a particular familiar music piece played live in the studio. It's gonna be wild. And then we round out the month with Territory Marks doing a tribute to the Von Erics. Uh, and a very special interview with someone connected closely to the Von Erics and the wrestling organization that they pretty much you know, the wrestling organization that they were a part of in Dallas, Texas. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Check that out. Well, didn't you went to Texas to see, uh, the premiere of that movie, right? I did the, the movie, the iron claw comes out at the end of December, Christmas, right before Christmas day, not a movie you'd want to see on Christmas day, unless you really want to be depressed, Mm. uh, because it's a sad, tragic story, but it's a phenomenal film. It's an a 24 release. So it's very classy. It's very well acted, uh, music, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great movie. Zac Efron. It looks like he man in it. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I did see it in Dallas. I was at the world premiere of it with family with family members in attendance, people that were close with the Von Erichs. Kevin Von Erich, the sole remaining Von Erich, uh, was there as well, seeing it for the first time. So, uh, yeah, it's, we documented a little bit of that on our Instagram page. Um, yeah, but we're going to be paying tribute to the Von Erichs and that movie Iron Claw as well. Nice. Um, it's good stuff. I mean – I love everything A24 puts out, you know, so everything I've seen at least. So Yeah, they do a really great job with, uh, you know, just I won't spoil anything, obviously, uh, but it's going to if it doesn't get nominated for awards, it's not that it means anything, but 
you know, if it doesn't get recognized for how good it is, I will be shocked because it it's better than the movie The Wrestler with uh, Mickey Rourke, in my opinion. But also, okay. I'm closer I'm closer connected to '80s wrestling, uh, and this is an '80s wrestling movie. So yeah, because it's, it's a period piece essentially, right? It is. It takes place in the uh, early to mid '80s. Okay. Okay. Mostly. Awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll check it out whenever you know it hits whatever streaming service i love biopics you know and and i know you've talked about the von erics so much that i kind of feel like i want to know more yeah it's fascinating the there's things that are left out of their story that i think shouldn't have been left out however the director defended that by saying for timing reasons he had to omit some things but it's a pretty big omission and i'm going to talk about it uh after the movie comes out okay Okay, I'll be interested in... Uh, and I may talk about it with the guests that we're going to have on our show, too. So. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I would like to watch that movie. Um, I also want to see uh, that Nicolas Cage one, what, Dream Scenario or something? Yeah, that looks great, too. Yeah, Nicolas looks, Cage, wow. Yeah, fucking A24, man. Always putting out some good shit. So And uh, and you know what? So so is uh, Eric Freeman's always putting out some good shit, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No doubt. Uh, oh, thanks, guys and gals. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, this kicks, like I said, this kicks off our holiday season. We have a, a Christmas um, TV Obscura coming up next. And then after that, we will have Elves, which I, th- I think will be dropping literally on Christmas Day because I think Christmas the 25th, I think, is on Monday. So we're yes. going to drop that on Christmas Day. So Merry much- Christmas, everybody. Looking forward to it, man. I can't fucking wait to watch Elves. But uh, it's going to be good times. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.